And welcome back to another edition of the Short Pause Gaming Podcast. I'm Brent Felsing, and joining me tonight, Frankie Ayler and Ben Boyce. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Doing all right. You got an all right and an okay. Wow, I'll just be super awesome then and super happy for you guys. No, I'm just joking. Uh, hope you guys are having a good night. Uh, <coughs> welcome back to another live edition of the Short Pause Gaming Podcast. Obviously, last week was a recorded show due to... Uh, some timing and scheduling stuff, but we are back live here tonight, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, but guys, let's jump into what we've been playing. Uh, ben, you and I know what we've been playing. We talked about it on Tower Talk, so if you want to get our thoughts on Destiny 2, head over there. We can talk. Uh, we talked a ton about Forsaken and what we've played so far, but right mm-hmm. now, we're going to turn the microphone over to Frankie, because Frankie's been playing the big game of the weekend, dude. I have, so... Uh, NBA 2K19, right? It's not no, no, no way. So, <laughs> um, so Thursday was the longest day of the year for me by far. Hot as hell, just wanting to get home. You now that Spider-Man countdown's ticking down. I got my two coworkers. Uh, you know, Jamie and Eric are sitting there all night, going, "Only six more hours, five more hours." That's all we heard all night long. So, literally, slowest day ever. So, get home, finally sit, finally got home, sat down, ate dinner. Uh, got on with like five minutes to spare, I think, and uh, I, I literally played Spider Man until about six in the morning, oh. six Friday morning. Oh. Yeah, uh, I knew it was gonna. I already knew that was gonna happen, so I was like, eh, whatever, it's fine. So, uh, but man, did that game? I I am loving it so far. Um, I don't have that comparison point to Spider Man Two. Everyone has. I maybe rented it and played it for an hour or something at one point in time, but mm-hmm. I don't remember how the mechanics worked or anything, so I don't. I don't have that comparison point that a lot of people want to make, but I can tell you that the swinging in this game just feels so damn good, especially when you you finally get all the nuances to it down because you know you're holding R two to swing around, um, and it's realistic, so he's you know you need to have something around you for the web to catch on a swing. So, but on top of that, there's um, you can you know hit both triggers and you'll kind of like latch onto something. If you hit X, it'll shoot you forward, mm-hmm. kind of like in uh, in the Batman games. Um, so. There's that, and then you get like a, an air web boost that is your going, so that can kind of get you to another spot where you'll be able to shoot another web. Mm-hmm. Um, then when you hold L3, you'll kind of dive down. So when you dive down and swing, you gain a ton of momentum. So just fig- like figuring out the sweet spot for getting all that stuff to work together, swinging around the city is just so fun. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I had no problem running around. I, I did all the backpacks, all the collectibles for that, because you unlock a suit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you level up, I think like as you get toward like higher levels, you know, it's more spread out unlocking suits. But I think you get one for like each of the first ten levels you go up. So mm. uh, it was also kind of cool because the pre-order suits are kind of mid twenty range, I think. So they you will unlock those over time, but it's cool to have those right away. Um, but as far as the story itself goes, I am really enjoying it so far. Even though so far it, there's more. As you're doing it, it's kind of unlocking the side stuff you're doing in the game. So, like, the the warehouse, like, Fisk warehouses, um, Harry has these, um, like, environment monitoring stations around the city for research points. It's basically just ways to get all these different currencies to unlock new abilities, new suits, um, upgrade um, your uh, little spider gadgets and all kinds of stuff, so... Um, and as far as the combat goes, this is kind of the only thing I have a little bit of a gripe with. Uh, it's one of those games where the camera doesn't really follow you as you're fighting everyone. So if you're, you know, 
earlier on in the game, especially when you don't have some of the other powers that come with some of the other suits, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to end up kind of fighting towards you a lot. And, you know, there's people shooting at you, people throwing, you know, uh, flashbangs and, um, you know, you got shielded, you know, guys with riot gear on and stuff. So there's all kinds of stuff to, to take into effect with that. So it's kind of annoying having to be fighting down here and then they have a guy over here about to shoot you and it's harder to see like the um, Spidey sense thing go off to dodge. So, um, but outside of that, um, you know, like I said, as you gain powers later on that kind of, you know, you can just burst into a, a, a one of the crimes in progress and just web everyone to a wall and be done. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the humor of Spider-Man is definitely there. Uh, he makes, you know, his typical snarky comments says, you know, you're swinging around the city, you know, fighting, uh, fighting off some of these thugs. Uh, some of the dialogue is repetitive. Like he'll make the same, you know, comments after stopping, you know, like uh, there's like a drug deal going on and he'll mention how, well, it's one of my, you know, t- uh, top five things or bottom five things or something. Like he, he says that all the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, outside of that, I, uh, that game is just insanely fun. I, uh, I can't wait to play more of that story because uh, I have a couple friends who are, uh, a little bit further and they're like dude you need to get th- th- we gotta talk about this on monday there's a lot of cool stuff that's gonna happen and i'm like all right all right all right so there's already been some really interesting things that have happened in the story so there's you know kind of playing that seed for things that are probably gonna come mm-hmm. but um yeah overall so far though really really enjoying it definitely lives up to the praise mm. yeah i will actually be honest with you i actually fired it up before the show tonight i went through the opening uh opening section the opening mission that you go on, and um, I, I call it mission. Everything's a mission for me, but the opening act. And, uh, dude, the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, some of these games look just so beautiful on a 4K display, and Spider-Man looks gorgeous. What a, what, I mean, what a, a shiny, clean image. Everything just looks so, so good. And that just definitely adds to the, uh, the immersiveness of the story of the campaign, all the action that's going on on screen. It's super good. But yeah, I, I, the combat, like you mentioned, takes a little bit getting used to it. You know, and I've played a lot of Batman games, and, uh, but Spider-Man has a different type of fighting style than Batman. So you got to mm-hmm. you know, figure out when to use his abilities and such early on. Obviously, there's a lot more that you've talked about. And uh, you, know, you, you can um, you know, unlock more abilities that are going to be more uh, beneficial in combat. But uh, it was really, really good. Like From what I played early on, it was really, really good. I enjoyed what I played, and I'm looking forward to like, d- diving, into, diving into it this week. Uh, with some free time, so uh, should be really, really cool. Um, now, obviously, you and I have played it. Now, Boyce was adamant. I mean, adamant for months coming up. He's like, "Don't you worry about Forsaken. I will find time to play Spider Man." So, Boyce, I want to give you your moment to shine. Talk about Spider Man. What you've enjoyed so far. I know you probably got I don't know how many hours into it. Talk to me, man. Spider Man. Have I mentioned you're a funny guy before, Brent? <laughs> <clears throat> So uh, I don't even have Spider-Man yet. Oh. So um, just got, uh, it was late, late Thursday night. Um, I was sitting there playing Forsaken and uh, you can go to hell. And uh, so we're sitting there playing Forsaken. I get an email from Best Buy that uh, my Spider-Man Collector's Edition has been delayed. There's no date, no knowledge of when the game's going to ship or anything like that. So I'm just like, man, it's it's like, could there could the universe have, uh, you know, put together a more perfect or a more like ironic, dramatic irony? Is was at its forefront there. 
So yeah, I get an email. The game is I'm not gonna get the game on Friday like I had anticipated, and I still don't have the game up to this point. I did finally get a shipping notification though. The game will be here on Monday. Uh, basically the minute I'm going out of town. So awesome. <laughs> so I'll be. I'll be I'll be out of town all next weekend on uh, on business and I uh, I won't be able to play it during the week either so it's a uh, it's a bummer I you know was really looking forward to Spider Man I'm still very much looking forward to it and I, and I can't wait to play it and I'm I'm sure I'm gonna love every second of it when I do get to play it um, but uh, yeah obviously severely disappointed that I wasn't able to get my game when it came out and even though I pre ordered it literally the day it became available so so thanks for that Best man match. I t- oh sorry go ahead. I was going to say a shout out to the uh, listener working in the Best Buy warehouse who did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it Man. just uh, made, made it happen. I just really wanted to bring that up because I, I, I just love the disappointment in your voice for that whole segment. It was just really enjoyable to watch. I could tell you were kind of like fuming beneath that I brought it up. And uh, it was painful for you to talk about. And I just I get off on that. So that was really, really uh, good I- stuff. Can I go off on a Best Buy tangent really quick? Oh, boy. Here we go. It's not just boys this week. So, Oh, man. I had pre-ordered Dragon Quest through Best Buy. You know, store pickup. I'm like, that's ah, fine. I'll pick it up Tuesday on my way to work. That's great. Uh, got an email Tuesday morning. Oh, hey, the store's out of stock. So you're going to have to either go to another store or order it for shipping. I'm like, all right, fine. Just ship it. So figured changing this, you know, Tuesday morning. They're like, oh, well, good. It'll be there tomorrow. Because they're going to overnight it or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. So Tuesday comes. No game. I'm like, awesome. Not looking like I'm going to play this, I guess. So Wednesday comes and still then I get a shipping delay. I'm like, oh, hey, your your box uh, was picked up late or something. So now it's coming on Thursday. I'm like, all right, great. Good job. Still not going to play it because the Spider-Man's going to lock at midnight. So. Uh, so that finally showed up on Thursday. And of course, I go to pick up my Spider-Man collector's edition today and they got a ton of them on the damn shelf. So sold out my ass. Wow. Um, and Immortal Unchained uh, came out uh, yesterday as well, which I kind of want to try. It's that Dark Souls with guns yeah. game. I, I haven't heard anything about it. I have no idea. So if you played it, tell us. I want to know how <laughs> that game is. But that was supposed to be here today and uh, did not show up. So thanks, Best Buy. Love you again. Yeah, that thing's going to die. Uh, that thing got sent out to die this week. So it did. Uh, it's unfortunate. I don't even, <laughs> even look up reviews for it. I there there are no reviews. I actually tried to find one and nobody has played that game. No Because they're seriously. all still playing they're all still playing Spider Man or Forsaken. Nobody gives a rat's ass about Immortal Unchained right now. It's unfortunate. <laughs> I uh, I don't know if it's if it's a good game or not, but uh it, apparently nobody else is gonna know either unless they play it. So uh, literally nobody's playing that game. That's unfortunate. Uh, boys, we have a question from the chat. First of all, shout out to uh, Angels and Demons. He's in the chat. He's hyped about Spider-Man. Yeah. What's up, uh, Angels? Alpha, Alpha Bravo had this to ask. Any plans to stream Spider-Man when it does show up, boys? Any plans? Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll stream Spider-Man at some point. I I don't doubt that. Um, so, yes, Alpha. Good to, good to hear from Alpha. It's, a, it's been a while. Yeah, good, good buddy Alpha Bravo. But, um, yeah, we, we will definitely stream Spider-Man at some point. And if it's if it's myself that does it, then uh, say I love you. All right. Well, I've got a Best Buy story too today. Okay, I'm gonna oh get in, I'm gonna get on the action. So <laughs> I got my email the other day saying your Spider Man, uh, you know, collector's edition. I, I got two of them. I got two collector's editions because I'm gonna put one up on eBay because I'm like that. I'm one of those guys. And so I get the first email saying yours is available today for pickup. I was like, cool. 
I'm gonna go get it. And then they sent me another email saying your other one's not available. And I was like, uh. And then the next day they sent an email. And they're like, you can get it. So I got it today. So there's uh, there's my why'd you have to make why'd you have to make two trips? Why 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 didn't they have the other one available at the same time? I don't know, but I got mine. So it's awesome. I got mine on time. It's a sweet story. So that's awesome, isn't it? So the struggle is real for everybody. Uh, Optic Ghost does not believe you that you're going to stream Spider-Man ever, boys. Wow. <laughs> Optic Ghost comes right in, says, nope, you're not going to stream it. He does not believe you. Wow. So I don't, obviously, I don't know. obviously, Optic Ghost has been listening to the Short Pause Gaming Podcast because he knows all, all about your infamous second son, your Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> he doesn't believe you. And you know what? Neither do I. Good for you, Optic. Call him out. I don't know about you guys, but this segment has gone on long enough. So <laughs> let's say we move on to the next item on today's show. All right, Franklin, let's hop into the spotlight releases, buddy. <laughs> All right. So normally I would start with the big one, but I'm, we're going to kind of work you know, our way up. So Ooh. Brent, I want to start with your pick for this week, and that is a game called Stay. Now, I did not get a chance to do my in-depth new release assembly list this week. Um, so I just seen this on the, uh, the Nintendo stuff when I was putting that together. Mm-hmm. So from what I gather, it's kind of like a puzzle adventure game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this will be coming on the Switch, I believe. On, let me double check here on Thursday. Thursday. And it'll be on the PlayStation Vita and PlayStation 4 on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 12th. So uh, Brent, why did this one catch your eye? What, what about it is uh, drawing you to it? Uh, the reason it caught my eye is because nothing else did. Um, this just kind of stood out uh, this week. You know, I was originally looking at Boundless. And, uh, you know, because when we first heard about Boundless, there, there was a lot of ambition. It sounded like it was a great title. And then when I watched the Boundless trailer today, it's just simply way too Minecrafty for me. And so um, I was like, I'm just I'm not going to play that game because I'm just not a Minecraft person. But stay. Um, this has been on PC for a while, and it's basically like a psychological thriller, like you said, a real-time rescue effort. It's what it says here, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's like an adventure story, but there's a lot of puzzle elements to it. You can play it on PlayStation 4 or on Vita. I don't know if it's cross-buy or cross-play. I, I couldn't find that out uh, prior, before the show went live here, but uh, this is the type of game I like to get into. I love psychological games. These kind of like thrillers, or not, not really a horror game, but like a thriller game, but uh, really excited to check this one out. I think it looks really, really good. And yeah, it'll be out on Wednesday. I believe it's also planned to come to Xbox One at some point, but the developers haven't said when. Cool. Got you. I didn't see it on the Xbox list. So um, I assume another week or two, probably, unless it snuck out on a Friday or something. Right. Also possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Um, so you can look for that one on uh, PS4, Vita, and Switch this week. Uh, up next, Ben, um, dude, your pick is awesome this week. So this is another one that I had seen when I was putting the other list. It is a coming out on the Switch on Thursday, coming out on Xbox on Friday, coming out on PlayStation on Tuesday. Uh, this game is called Nefarious. So it's a 2D action platformer where uh, you play as the villain. Mm-hmm. Out kidnapping princesses, stopping heroes. You get to be the boss in a boss fight. So, Ben, talk to me, man. Tell me about Nefarious. Yeah, Nefarious looks uh looks wicked cool. Um, before I get to Nefarious though, I, I do want to touch on Stay for one second. I I I think Stay actually looks uh really really cool, and and that was actually the game I was I was waffling between Stay and and Nefarious to spotlight yeah. on the show tonight. So I'm glad Brent that you pointed out Stay, but uh, I just the whole atmosphere, the vibe of the game where you just mm-hmm. kind of wake up just alone in this room and you're communicating with somebody over this over this computer. You're just like isolated, trying to figure out what's going on. I think the game looks looks really really cool. So uh. 
definitely looking forward to checking that one out at some point. But as far as Nefarious goes, uh, I love 2D action platformers, some of my favorite games to play. Obviously, growing up during the NES, SNES years, I cut my teeth on these games. So whenever these things come along, especially nowadays, these these kind of games are back out in the spotlight with the advent of the of the independent game. And this game just looks awesome. Love the love the art style of it. Love the fact that it kind of takes the conventions of the genre, kind of flips them on their head, and allows you to play as the villain. Even in so much as you actually play the villain in like the boss fights and the levels as well, so they they have some callbacks to some like classic boss fights from over the years, from like Final Fantasy and from Sonic and and things like that. So I I love that kind of stuff in this game. It's paying homage to its roots. And I love the fact that you can be like Robotnik in that machine that's like swinging the uh the chain the ball and chain at the enemy er, at the hero. So uh yeah, I can't wait to play this game. Looks beautiful. Looks like it looks like it runs great. Looks like it's going to be a, a whole lot of fun. So, uh, I definitely want to get my hands on this at some point. Nefarious looks great. I think it's already available on the PC, but I uh, have not played it over there. I haven't heard much about it. It's the first time I'm hearing about it this week now that it's coming over to console, but I think this game looks really really neat. Yeah, if if I get time Tuesday night cuz you know, work's kind of been a crapshoot lately. But uh, I, since I know you're heading out of town, I'm going to try and uh, take over the Indie Spotlight and stream this one for you. Because this game looks freaking awesome. <laughs> that, would, that would be awesome. I will uh, definitely try and tune in if, if that happens. The game looks great. Uh, Brent, did you uh, check this one out? I did. I was just watching the trail, and it does look awesome. With the fact that you can play as a villain, <laughs> you know, it's gonna they're going to have all sorts of tongue-in-cheek humor uh, mm-hmm. that, that focuses on that. So it should be a, g- a good time for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to play it. I, I'm really glad you put that one on here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so lastly, uh, the big one this week, the main AAA release, uh, is of course Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which will be available on Wednesday if you get the Croft edition, mm-hmm. which is strange. I don't know why they went to Tuesday, but whatever. Um, but you know, standard release date is on Friday. Um, so this, you know, we've talked a lot about this game in the past. Uh, obviously, uh, we had uh, Travis and Polly kill on a couple weeks ago. You know, we brought this up as one of his anticipated titles for the fall. So, you know, we've, we've had several conversations about, you know, the, co- the content of this game, the direction they're taking Lara, um, all kinds of stuff. So I- I'm excited for it. I still have to finish, you know, the other games someday. It's not going to be this month. I'm picking it up, but I'm not going to play it anytime soon because, you know, Spider-Man, Destiny, life. So one of these days. But uh, Brent, I want to come over to you. I know you've uh, at least finished Rise of the Tomb Raider. You mm-hmm. played the other one, right? Yeah, I played them all. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, where are you at, though? I know, you know, as someone who's caught up with this trilogy, is this something you're looking to hop into right away? You holding off for a little bit? Uh, the plan was to hold off for a little bit. But yeah, dude, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the reboot. I liked Rise of the, Tomb, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider a lot. I thought it was a great game. And this, you know, I do want to see the end of this this trilogy. I want to see what happens with Lara and how she evolves as a character. And, you know, there's a lot that I want to see in this game. You know, obviously the set pieces will be the high action set pieces. Uh, but you know it's going to be the, the 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 evolving uh, the evolving nature of the character, how Laura evolves from start to finish. I mean, she this trailer is very very dark that we're showing right here, and uh, I'm just curious to see how her character is going to develop throughout the rest of the uh, throughout the rest of this game here. So yeah, I will definitely try to get this in and play a little bit this week. Um, but I would like to beat it too. So hopefully we can make that happen. That would be nice. And I know you're a big fan of you know s- you know stealth games and kind of getting in there and uh, taking people out without being seen. So it looks like this one's going to be right up your alley. So Absolutely. Really looking forward to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, what about you, Ben? Where are you at with the uh, Tomb Raider reboots and you know this latest entry? You know, I, I love you know third-person action adventure games. You know, Obviously, 
somebody like Naughty Dog is one of my favorite developers out there. So and I do love these kind of games. For whatever reason, though, I have not really got into the Tomb Raider games. And it, it's not that I don't want to. I've just never really played them. So um, obviously I've played the old Tomb Raider games over the years. But since Crystal has gone back and rebooted the game, haven't played the rebooted Tomb Raider, haven't played Rise of the Tomb Raider. So just... Just based on on that Shadow of the Tomb Raider, you know we we've talked about it several times on the show. I think there's some interesting things for that game to explore, and I'm curious how all that's going to play out. And this is a game and a franchise that I would like to experience at some point here. But having never gone through the first two games, there's no way I'm gonna play Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So you know, as cool as it looks and as promising as it looks, it's not something I will be playing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fair. I got a question for you guys from the chat. Uh, Optic Ghost says, you know, if I love the Uncharted games, should I look into Tomb Raider? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. From start yes. to finish, all three of them, you know, play them in order uh, because uh, Lara does evolve as a character throughout the first two, and I'm sure she will in the third one. So, yes, absolutely. If you like Uncharted, you'll absolutely enjoy uh, Tomb Raider. Definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm excited because Jen's, uh, Jen's gotten really into PC gaming lately because she's mm-hmm. been playing Vampire. So Tomb Raider's on her list of stuff she wants to do. So I have that on PC. I got Rise from uh, the Humble Bundle last month. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so I'm hoping that she, you know, once she's done with Vampire, she gets into Tomb Raider soon because I'm just going to kind of play it with her. So, mm-hmm. how much I'll, was I'll that Humble Bundle? Trilogy. Uh, I signed up for the year subscription, so it was like a hundred and twenty some bucks, I think, hmm. for the year. So I was like, well, all right. What do you get, like a free game every month or something? You get nine games a month. Damn. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, Tomb Raider was in one of the bundles. Yeah. Last month they had uh, you could either get Sniper Elite Four, Tales of Berseria, and there's another game I don't remember, um, or Rise of the Tomb Raider. I was like, well, Jen wants to play the Tomb Raider games, so yeah. mm. so uh, she's been on Steam and PC more than I have. So <laughs> I was like, I'll just get more stuff ready to play. But yeah, cool because uh, actually yesterday was when the rest of the games unlocked. So like Little Nightmares, uh, Dark Siders Two, um. Battle Chef Brigade was in there. Oh, was so, Battle Chef Brigade? Nice. Yeah. So there was there's a couple good ones in there. So um, I'm just sad I missed last month because last month had a couple games that I really wanted to get. Um, you know, I think Sudden Strike Four was the main one because PC version is probably the version of that to play. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I missed out on it. But oh well, it'll go on sale again soon. I'm sure. So yeah, I remember when uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider was one of like the first PC games that we got a uh, we were able to review uh, prior to mm-hmm. launch, and I man, I remember finding that up on PC, and that game was just. With all the action set pieces still running at a smooth 60 frames, that blew my mind. That was like one of the first times where I was like, whoa, okay, PC gamers do got it made. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was uh, it was nice to see it in action because that looked really, really good on PC. That's, so That's how watching Jen play Vampire has been because playing it on console, it's locked to 30 frames. Yep. And PC, it's running at 60. The load times are so minimal every time she dies or anything happens. So... Kind of wish I had played it on there. So yeah. now I know it's an option. I mean, I'm just gonna play everything on the damn PC. Yeah. No, I mean it's you know look at it, look. I'm a console gamer through and through. That's that's where I'm at. I'm a console gamer. That's what I do. But man, I'm not gonna play it off like uh, like PC gaming isn't just amazing because it really is. So, mm-hmm. uh, quick one question from Angels and Demons. You guys ready? Curious. What is your oldest game in your backlog? Mine is GTA 4, bought it on the 360 at launch, and it's still in shrink wrap. What is your oldest game in backlog? Man. I've, well, how far back are we going exactly? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, he, he, well, we'll say three, uh, G- GTA 4 uh, for the 360, so that was what, 2008? 
2008, something like that. I mean, I've I've got games still on the shrink wrap from like PS2, PS1. Um, I mean, I. Okay, let's let's go let's go let's go PS3 era PS3 360 uh, going forward. What's the one standout game that you never played that you're just like, dude, man, why the hell have I not played that yet? <laughs> oh my god, probably Gears of War. You you the still haven't one. played Gears? Wow, still haven't played the first one. Nope. Wow, okay. I've, I've played some of it, but I've never finished it. Interesting, boys. I think we all we all know the standout game is is Infamous Second Son. Obviously, oh, yeah, ob- we obviously. literally literally talk about it every single week on the show. So, um, but uh, and going back further, I mean, what's the first game that came out for PS3? It's probably in my backlog. Resistance, so. <laughs> Lair. Nah, nah, I've actually finished that one. Lair. Um, <laughs> yeah. What about yeah, Haze? Lair. Yeah, never, never, fin- <laughs> never finished Layer or Haze. I actually, uh, I've actually never finished GTA Four, so that that's a good one as well. I, I played through the first like ten hours of that game, but didn't, uh, didn't, didn't play through after that. So yeah, GTA Four is a good one for me too. Oh God, what was be? What would I even pick, dude? Um, I don't want to drag this so out too four. long. Yeah, so I played plenty of that, and, and I hated it for it. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Uh, you know, if I had to say one, probably because I have the Master Chief Collection, Halo 4 or ODST. I haven't played either of those, so I guess that's considered backlog, right? Because I haven't actually played them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of cheating there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Optic Ghost says, Infamous Second Son is an infamous, infamous game for boys. <laughs> jokes, he says. Optic's got jokes, boys. We should have him on the show one night. We should, man. I'd love to get Optic should, on here. Yeah. He's a good, 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 uh, good friend of ours. <laughs> Actually, if we're going to count backwards compatibility, I'm going to probably go with Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Mm, wow. I know it's like an OG Xbox game, but I've never played it, and I probably should. Bioware, Star Wars. You should. <laughs> you should go play it right now. Or as soon as we're done. Not right now, but as soon as we're done. Spider-Man. Yes, get your Spider-Man. All right, let's move into the news. First up. Battlefield 5 has been delayed. EA announced that Battlefield 5, which was originally slated to come out October 19th, has had its release date, release date pushed back a month and will now release on November 20th. Uh, this news comes from Oscar Gabrielson, the general manager of developer at DICE, in a blog uh, on EA's, post, uh, EA's website this week. He seems to point out to player feedback as being the primary reason behind the delay, thanking the tens of thousands of players who have played both during closed alphas, in-demos booths at E3 and Gamescom, and highlights some positive feedback around weapon handling and player movement. It seems that the core, core gameplay is the sticking point, with Gabrielson pointing in particular to gameplay tempo, as well as soldier visibility and player friction. What does that mean, player friction? Any idea? Anybody want to guess on that? No idea. Yeah. Like players just rubbing, the, up, the, rubbing the feel, up on each other? The feel of the, maybe the weight of the player and when you're, when you're running around, I'm not sure. Uh, while he doesn't go into details around the specifics of that feedback, he does state that players will see improvements in these areas during the open beta, which is running right now. Uh, the post reaffirms, however, that EA and DICE have settled on a later launch date to get it right. As well as core gameplay, it seems that there are some concerns that the current build doesn't fully deliver on the potential of Tides of War, a live service intended to replace the previous system of premium passes and expansion packs uh, with an evolving journey that will grow over time. So very interesting, boys. Uh, I mean, to see Battlefield Five. I mean, when was the last time a Battlefield Five, a Battlefield game, got delayed? Have we had one? Uh, I believe. Um... 
Hardline was delayed for that came out. I know that was a little bit of a of an offshoot Battlefield game. Um, I think that one got delayed. I don't know when the last time a core Battlefield game experienced any kind of of substantial delay. I mean, even though this is only a month, this is yeah a little bit different than we typically see. Like once these guys settle on a date, and this is you know one of the biggest franchises out there. Once they settle on a date, they usually stick to it. So I I don't remember the last time a core game had any kind of a delay. Well, it makes me wonder, though, dude. I mean, they said, you know, he's pointing in particular to gameplay temple as well as soldier visibility and player friction. This is all like gameplay stuff. Don't you think, wouldn't we think that DICE has this down by now? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like I, yeah, it's just, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, I, I haven't played the beta. Um, You know, I downloaded it. I did want to try and at least experience it at, at some point. Haven't had a chance to, so. But I haven't really, I don't remember reading any feedback about the game for people that have experienced it at, one of these shows and and that that have said anything about you know and gameplay tempo or any of that kind of stuff. I don't remember hearing any about this. This is this is news to me, and it might be that I just haven't paid attention to that. But I yeah, it is it is a little strange that we'd be hearing about this kind of stuff with the Battlefield game, and maybe this gives us a hint into maybe they're trying to try something a little bit different with this game. Which mm-hmm. uh, which if that's the case is strange because Battlefield One was so successful. It seems like you would just take that formula or, or take that just just engine and and setup that they built there and just do it again just right. uh just iterate on it with with battlefield 5 so maybe that's the case maybe it's not i don't i'm i'm a little bit ignorant in terms of battlefield 5's development right now so i don't have a lot of insight on this but it is curious that they would you know delay this game due to gameplay issues it's it's very strange yeah, I mean, it, and I don't think you need to be privy to too much information. I mean, it's Battlefield. I mean, just copy and paste, mm-hmm. copy and paste, and put a new skin on it, add a new, put it in a different time, uh, era of time or whatever, and there you go. That's all you need to do. So, you know, I actually hopped into the beta. I know there was a lot of issues with the beta this week at launch. A lot of people couldn't even get into it. I talked to a couple of guys that were texting me saying, hey, can you get in? I can't get in. I was like, I'm at work. I don't know. But when I did get home <laughs> and fired it up, it, I, I was able to hop into a match. It was a little bit. It took a while to load into the match. Uh, but we played it, and um, it actually worked pretty good. I, I I didn't have any qualms with it. I mean, the only thing that was kind of weird about it is they kind of added that um that film grain film grain that they added on uh, Mass Effect and drama. You know how you could add that film grain to it? I was like, I don't remember ever seeing that in a Battlefield. I don't remember that being in Battlefield One. Maybe it was. Maybe it was automatically turned off. But uh, that's the only thing that kind of looked a little little off about it i like a cleaner image when i play battlefield i don't like the film game and i, I didn't even check to see if i could turn it off because i was in match but in terms of like gameplay i mean it felt like battlefield I and mean, you're not you're not sprinting super fast you're, you got some weight to your character and the shooting felt good uh the map was beautiful it was a beautiful looking map the weather effects are fantastic i mean it's it, they, they do a really good job with it, it was like snowy weather and it, was, it looked really really yeah. good so uh the game was running fine i didn't have any issues there but no it's just very strange <laughs> to see this thing getting delayed a month for what is typically just their bread and butter and that's gameplay i mean the other the other side of this is this this could all just be bs and maybe they wanted to get out of the the red dead window or the the sandwiched in between <laughs> black ops and and red dead window that they find themselves in like this could have just simply been one of those things like look this is Maybe not the greatest idea to be where we're at currently. We're not the first guy out. We're not the last guy out. We're slap dab in the middle between these two like monster games that are about to come out and just absolutely dominate the month mm-hmm. of October. Probably better for us to maybe scoot back a little bit. So let's come up with this thought about feedback and all this garbage and, and see if <laughs> and see if that see if that lands with people. So that that could be the case. The the other thing is there's just there's a weird vibe with Battlefield Five right now. It's mm-hmm. it's got this very very strange just aura about it and you know we've seen some 
some stories come out recently about the the pre-order numbers from this game being like 85% of what Black Ops are. It's some, some crazy stat like that. I don't remember what the exact stat was. There's been this weird air of negativity about the game, and we really haven't heard much about this game, at least, at least for myself. I, I don't feel like the buzz is there for Battlefield 5 like it was for Battlefield 1. That mm-hmm. game was That game was humming before it came out. Like you knew when that thing came out, that thing was gonna hit and it was gonna be big. But Battlefield Five is just this, just this, this weird, just I don't know, this this weird sense about it, and it just speaks to this beta, which I've heard, I haven't heard anybody talking about this beta. And yes, mm-hmm. it came out in a week where Forsaken dropped and is and is freaking awesome. And it came during a week where Spider Man dropped and it's freaking awesome. And those two games have basically dominated the headlines this week so that that's been an issue for the game as well and that could that could just be a, you know a simple matter of that but i don't hear people talking about this game don't hear people getting excited about it i don't feel the buzz about this game i just feel a very very weird vibe about this game and i wonder if ea feels that too and they maybe need to delay it a month to try and build this thing up a little bit because i it's as we sit right now if this thing would have launched on october 19th this this may not have made the type of impact they expect a battlefield game to make. Yeah. Alpha Bravo said red dead steamroller, get out of the way. I mean, that's yep. just, that's right. And, and, and super Cooper's in the chat. He said the battlefield beta felt pretty good. Time to kill is too short though. You know, I come to think of it, Cooper, I was thinking that too. When I was playing, I was shooting people. I was like, man, they're, they're dropping pretty quick. Cause typically you gotta put a couple of rounds into them, but you could drop somebody pretty quick. So uh, yeah, that is that the time to kill is much, much quicker than, than, than typical battlefield games. But Frankie, I want to pull you in now. Hmm. I know you were going to say something a moment ago. Uh, what's your thoughts on this delay? Uh, I was just going to comment some dumb, like, I bet Vince Ampel is sitting there going, yep, sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> but, um, no, I, uh, I, I've seen a couple people on Twitter talk about it, but it's been, you know, I, I've seen one person who absolutely loves it and a ton of people who are like, eh, it's not for me. And it's a lot of the building mechanic that's in there, I guess. People aren't really, you know, taken to that. Like, it's, I don't know. I don't want to say it feels like tacked on like a Fortnite thing, but. I don't know, people don't seem to like, you know, because the, the whole thing with Battlefield for me personally has always been, you know, it's more realistic, if you will. Like they're, they've always kind of, sent, you know, proudly gone out there and been like, oh, yeah, Battlefield, like we, we're, you know, we're working with these gun manufacturers and all these guns are you know historically accurate and all this stuff. So I don't know, it's like kind of seeing them go away from that and have a tool that you can build a little like, you know, shelter all of a sudden out of thin air from. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that's kind of taken away from what people expect out of Battlefield. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I completely forgot that game was even coming out. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna chime in on a couple of things that you guys both just said. First of all, boys, I agree with you 100. The buzz behind this game is weak. There's literally nothing behind this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the beta came out, you know, before the beta came out, I, and I think you made a point, a good point there. You know, last year when Battlefield One came out, everyone was hyped. Oh my God, they're going back to World War One, and they're getting away from like modern times, and that was a huge change for Battlefield. Everyone's like, Oh my God, we're going back to like you know the old days, and now we got this one where it's 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 the same period, not it, the, the same type of excitement just isn't there. It's not the same type of buzz uh, that that Battlefield One was. So I can see that playing a part of it, but I just don't feel. Like they have marketing this game at all like i don't i don't hear anything i mean call of duty's out there talking about everything battlefield and ea just aren't i don't see anything and then you know mm-hmm. you've got this this talk about the you know there was all the talk about the beta not working properly at start now we got this delay and you put all that stuff together man and it's just a negative or a negative like vibe around this game and then frank you know you mentioned um gosh darn it, i just had a thought that you just mentioned something and i wanted to chime in on it because it was a good point 
Um, roll back what you said again about Battlefield. The building mechanic? Building mechanics. Okay, first of all, no. Okay, I play Fortnite. I don't want to build stuff. Second of all, I, and it popped up. I remember it popped up in the game. It said, hey, build something. I was like, no, I'm going to shoot stuff. And second of all, it's Battlefield. What's the one thing we've been doing in all the Battlefield games? We're not building shit. We're blowing stuff up. We're blowing up houses. We're blowing things apart. Nobody wants to build in a Battlefield game. Everyone wants to blow stuff up. I don't. I want to see buildings collapse. I want to build a wall to get behind. Oh, oh, look at me behind my wall. No, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to <laughs> shoot things and blow stuff up. That's why when that popped up on the screen, I was like, no, I'm not going to build this. No, I'm just going to keep shooting people. So I think that's kind of weird. I don't know if that fits into the battlefield space. Maybe it does. Maybe I just need to, to try it more and try to work it into the game and see how it's beneficial. But at first glance, when it popped up and said build stuff, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing any of this. So um it's just it's just strange but yeah you're right dude it's just <laughs> cooper's the same way played a played the beta for about four hours never built a damn thing right because nobody wants to build <laughs> anything in a battlefield game so yeah just very strange very very strange stuff however interesting world war ii yeah yeah world war ii and it's just you know it just doesn't have the same hype behind it that battlefield one had i mean that was a huge change there was a huge change for the franchise going back to it now it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, we're World War Two, Okay. No hype. It's yeah, weird. World War Two. Here, you can build cover. <laughs> Don't want to do that. What? No. What happened to driving tanks through houses? That's, yeah. That's that's what I want to do. I want to demolish everything. I don't want anything on the battlefield when we're done. Nothing. I want that just a flat ground with bodies everywhere. So. <laughs> now, the other thing that we talked about in terms of battlefield is uh, we now know that the battlefield battle royale mode is 64 players, and it's called Firestorm. Not to be confused with the incredibly awesome Howie Long movie back from the 90s, Firestorm. <laughs> Has anybody in here seen that movie? No. Anybody in the chat seen the Howie Long action film, Firestorm? I think it was 97 <laughs> or 96. Nobody's seen this thing? Are you kidding me? Why, why would anybody willingly watch that? Dude, it's Howie Long <laughs> from Fox Sports or Fox NFL Sunday. It was Howie yeah. Long, dude. Exactly. Dude, Firestorm is sweet. I, I, it's not sweet, but it's, it's actually really bad. But that's why I thought of Firestorm. But anyways, I, I digress. Uh, this mode was given a proper name in a new overview video called This is Battlefield 5. It places players into 16 teams of four as they work together to remain the last group standing. It will take place on what DICE calls the largest map in Battlefield history. That's going to be a big map. That's going to be a really big map. Yeah, it's referred to... Yeah, it's referred to as a sandbox filled with destructible buildings, weaponry, and vehicles. Uh, you know, though all this information Dice gave on Firestorm, it appears that like other battle royale uh, battle royale modes, the map will continually shrink. Though in Battlefield Five, it will likely be done as a ring of fire closes in on the remaining sections of the map. So now, Battlefield Five, it's sixty-four players. It's not, it doesn't sound like it's going to be, you know, solo, like, you know, it's every man for themselves. It's 16 teams of four as mm -hmm. they work together to be the remaining group standing. Boys, I want to pull you in here. We got a lot of Battle Royale to talk about tonight. Now we're talking about finally, you know, we've got PUBG out there. Fortnite's out there going crazy. Fortnite's in its own world. Uh, but now we're, now we're going to see proper uh, uh, Battle Royale games from EA and from, and from Treyarch. I want to get your thoughts on what we heard about Firestorm here. I'm I'm definitely curious to see what uh you know what this comes out to the obviously the the team based uh the nature of the mode is is a lot different from 
from what you typically think of with the battle royale and, and obviously in those games like there's team modes in, in some of these other games out there like PUBG and what you can you can team up with people and, and go through those games as it is but you know I can the only thing I can think of is Battlefield you know trying to do something to kind of uh, you know set itself apart from the pack a little bit in terms of the way they do stuff so they don't want to simply just do the same thing that everybody else is doing they want to do something that's unique to Battlefield the other thing that sticks out to me is the fact that this is 64 players, which is which is typical for a Battlefield map. Like, Battlefield maps are designed to have 64 players. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that um, and we'll, we'll talk about with Call of Duty probably, but but when they were talking about Blackout, they were like, we cannot guarantee that this game is going to run at 60 frames a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with Battlefield 5, with them sticking to the 64-player account that they're familiar with, I think it all but guarantees that this is going to be a Battle Royale mode that operates at a high level in terms of its fidelity, in terms of its performance. Like we can expect this this mode to look awesome, to run at sixty frames, and to be the the kind of battlefield experience that we expect. But obviously outside of that, we don't know anything about this other than it's a sixty four player battle royale mode and fire is closing enemy. That's it. That's all we know about the game. <laughs> like the the generic stuff about vehicles, weapons, that's in every single battle royale game. That's what battle royales is. So Outside of that, and and you know, there's there's not really anything else to say on it at this point. I'm intrigued, and and I'd like to see what what becomes of it. And uh, that's that's about it, man. Frankie, you have many looks of confusion. It almost looks like you were in a room where I farted. What's going on? Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> is, that what a, is that what a firestorm is? Yeah. Being in a room where you farted. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You you need a firestorm to clear it out. Awesome. Um, no, I just like like Ben mentioned, Battle, Battlefield's always been sixty four players. So, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like these are the maps that they're they're used to building maps of that scale. So, I, why would you want to go bigger? First of all, because I can think of tons of times where I was playing. Well, I guess if you're on you know four player teams, but either way, I can think of tons of times where I was playing you know Battlefield One, Battlefield Four, where I was running around the map for a while before I even found anybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, we're going to make a bigger one. Like, OK, but why? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess it would make more sense given that you are you know, only on a team of four of the 64 people in there. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of I don't know. I just it's what I would have expected them to do was a 64 player battle royale. So I'm kind of disappointed that they're sort of just sticking to like playing it safe, if you will. Mm-hmm. And again, this just falls back to like where you look at how they're marketing this. You know, Call of Duty came out, ran a trailer out there, and started talking about everything about this. We got very little information here. We didn't get to see a good 10-minute video to see how it's going to play. It's just, they're just talking about this stuff. And, dude, we're, we're literally, um, we were a month away from launch. Now we're two months away from launch. But they just, they're just doing a really bad job showing this game off, dude. And, mm-hmm. and, and really, and getting people excited about it. And it's going to be a lot more difficult once Red Dead comes out. And, and that's taking over everything. And you're you're going into November. I mean, I just don't unless there's unless we're looking at that at it like this. Look, once Red Dead comes out and the barrage, barrage of stories and all the hype and everything kind of fades away, November is still going to kind of be open in there. Where maybe they can come out swing with a big marketing buzz and, and a lot of talk about it, say, hey, look, oh, now nobody else is. Uh, there's no other games coming out in this window here. Battlefield's out. Here's how cool it is. Here's all the cool stuff you can do. Maybe that's the only that's the only thing I can think of the, of why they're moving it there because it is Battlefield. Okay, this isn't like uh, some uh, like Hitman or something like that. This is Battlefield. This is a big franchise. And if anyone can slip past Red Dead into a month where things kind of opened up, Battlefield could do well. I don't know. I think too. A lot of people are still kind of annoyed with like their whole take on like the adding female characters to the game. 
because you know, like I've mentioned before, Battlefield's always kind of prided itself on its historical accuracy. Women didn't fight in World War II. So I know there were a ton of people pissed off about that. And, you know, EA is just kind of out there championing the fact, oh, yeah, we have women in our game. And I mean, that's great, but like that, that's like their big talking point for it. Mm-hmm. And that's really all I've been aware of with Battlefield Five since it was announced was, oh, they have female soldiers. OK, cool. Yeah, you know, they, like that was that was the big thing for them. And I think there's like a, a war store sent around a female soldier. Right. Well, that's that's a good point. It's just it's just. Yeah, man, I just wish they, they, they would show more of this game. They're just doing a very bad job at, at kind of getting rid of this negative vibe and the delay doesn't help. The lack of mm-hmm. uh, a lack of details on the on the Battle Royale mode doesn't help. It's just it's very strange. Like you, you joked about earlier, Vincent Pella sitting around going, yeah, we've been here. Good luck. That's not. That's not too far from the truth of what could happen here. I mean, this game could launch and be a total bomb, which would be a disaster for the Battlefield franchise, dude. Yeah, and I'm I'm plus two. I would assume people are still salty over Battlefront 2 because, you know, Dice, and that was their last outing, which I love Battlefront 2. Everyone should try that game still, but, mm-hmm. you know. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Gamers. So now we're going to move on from Battlefield to Call of Duty. And Call of Duty came out swinging. We got to see a Battlefield, a Battle Royale trailer for Call of Duty, the, the official Blackout trailer. And, guys, I'm not going to lie. I watched this. I thought this looked pretty entertaining. I got pretty excited for it. I was like, okay, cool. I'll hop into the beta this week. I want to check this out. It looks fun. It looks like it's, uh, it's running smooth. It's going to uh, launch with 80 players. Uh, that's how many players are going to be in this game. 80 players, and the beta go li- goes live this Monday. So, boys, I want to get your thoughts on the trailer and what you saw here. 80 players. Um, any interest in Blackout now that you've seen what's going to be going on? Yeah, I've always been interested in Blackout. You know, I can't wait to see what Call of Duty has to, to offer in terms of their take on the, on the Battle Royale genre. And I thought the trailer was a lot of fun. You know, it showed us locales and and elements from throughout the black ops series kind of all dropped into this huge world uh, there's a huge emphasis on vehicles clearly which is interesting because um i don't know about you but when i think of call of duty i don't often think about vehicles like that's not no. the first that's not the first thing that comes to my mind vehicle use has always been kind of a um a side story when it comes to call of duty so the fact that they're jumping into the battle royale genre, they're making this huge blackout map, and vehicles are clearly a gigantic part of this, whether it's boats or ATVs or tanks, whatever the case may be, like everything is, is in there. So I'd be very curious to see how they how they handle the the vehicle integration in the game. Um and then uh, you know, I I don't I don't really have a, a problem with, with the player counts. You know, whenever you I don't I don't play these battle royale games all the time, but whenever I like watch videos of it, like these player accounts shrink very quickly. So you start with with a hundred, couple minutes into the match, you're down to like sixty people or, or whatever. So whether it's a hundred, eighty, sixty four, whatever the case may be, like these these numbers are gonna dwindle down pretty quickly. So I, I'm fine with eighty if that's the number that it takes for them to to make this run well. I just I am a little bit concerned about some of the things they talked about in terms of performance. So I hope that when all is said and done, that that their main focus with Blackout is making a mode that performs well and lives mm-hmm. up to the to the Call of Duty performance standard. So like this 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 mode, in my opinion, it needs to be sixty frames. It needs to feel like the Call of Duty that we know and love. So uh, if it takes eighty players to do that, I'm all I'm all for that. But uh, the trailer, like I said, was a lot of fun. We saw 
we saw zombies in there at one point too. You know, yes. for for a brief second. So I'm not sure how they're gonna factor into the map. But you know, we saw things like Nuketown and all the different gadgets and things that you use throughout throughout Blackout or throughout the Black Ops history. So um, yeah, I thought I thought it looked neat, man, and and definitely very curious to play it. The the beta goes live on uh, on Monday on PS4. So. Um, if I get a chance before I leave, would like to get in there and experience it. If not, I'll have to kind of read some feedback on it, but super curious about it. Yeah, is this and, an open beta? Uh, I think if if you had the pre-order, you a, you if you had access, yeah, yeah, if you had access to the other beta, you already have access to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and from what we can tell from the trailer here, it looks like this is squad based as well because you got people working together, riding in the same vehicle. So obviously, we're going to see. Uh, teams of certain amounts. I don't know if there'll be a free for all mode like PUBG, uh, but um, you know, you talk about that zombies area. That was cool. That's actually a, a, an actual uh, map from one of the zombie. Uh, uh, you know, I think it was Black Ops Two, and uh, that's actually a level there. And that's cool that there's zombies in there. So now I don't know if zombies will just be isolated to that area. I'm assuming that's what it is. Uh, but it would be kind of cool. It looks like there's like kind of this purple cloud coming around the map. That'd be kind of cool if there were like zombies in the clouds that'll kill you if you're in there too long. So I don't know <laughs> if that's how they would kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of get the zombie vibe into it. But I thought it looked like a lot of fun. Frankie? I actually didn't watch it, but listening to what you have to say about it, I'm <laughs> I'm honestly more interested in trying out Call of Duty's um, Battle Royale mode over Battlefields this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I don't honestly, when I was playing Call of Duty, I don't ever remember even getting to mess around with vehicles. So mm-hmm. I I want to see how they, you know, how the vehicles control in a Call of Duty game. You know, I, obviously we, you know, Battlefield's always had those in there. So, we, you know, we know how it is driving an ATV, you know, flying helicopters and whatnot in Battlefield. So mm-hmm. kind of want to see it with Call of Duty because I know they're a lot more arcadey in terms of feel. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that would be more at home for me personally because, don't get me wrong, it's great crashing an ATV through a house, you know, door into somebody, but... Doing it in Call of Duty is probably going to be ridiculously dumb, so I gotta try that. I'm just I don't I'm looking on Amazon now because <laughs> I want to try this, <laughs> but I don't know if I pre-order if I can still get in the beta or not. Yeah, there was just there was just a lot to like about the trailer. And you guys talk about the vehicles, you know, and typically you know in Call of Duty campaigns there's vehicles, but they're in a, they're used in a, like a linear environment. You know, it's just from point A to point B. How are these things going to control? I mean, we saw helicopters, we saw boats, we saw vehicles. You know, I'll be curious to see how just how well Treyarch has their hands on uh, how well they are implementing like vehicle controls into an open world setting. So. Uh, should be really really cool to see that but it, it, this looked this looked like a lot of fun like i'm really excited to check this out and uh you know we actually got a look at the map of uh of blackout and you can see all the the different areas here but all these areas all these uh locations are pulled from like previous black Ops games like fan favorite areas uh we've got turbine factory cargo docks fracking tower nuketown island Array, Fire Range, Rivertown, Asylum, Hydro Dam, Train Station, Construction Site, and Estates. But uh, it should be a decent-sized map with 80 people. I mean, yeah, the map looks small here, but I don't know how it, it could be. It could be massive. We have no idea. Uh, but it, like in this photo, everything looks like it's close. But these areas could be very, very big. And you know, and if it's if it's fit if it's going by the Call of Duty formula, I would be very surprised if it was a super huge map. Obviously, it's the biggest map Call of Duty's ever made. But to fit that frantic twitch shooting gameplay, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they focused the, if it is a smaller area for 80 people because that's that's what Call of Duty is. It's frantic. It's fast paced. It's action packed. PUBG is a slow, methodical, uh, you know, battle royale game. 
Call of Duty is a Twitch shooter. It is fast-paced and action-packed, so I won't be surprised if it is a smaller map so it keeps everyone closer so the action's always hot. Um, and then uh, lastly, we found out that uh, Blackout Mode will have consumables that grant timed perks. Uh, Blackout Modes will, will have the uh, consumables on the map that will enable for a limited time Black Ops signature perk powers. Treyarch Studio Design, uh, David Vonderhaar, explained that in Blackout, the perks are consumables. You collect them, you use them, they have a timer. These perks take up inventory slots, so deciding between them and other options will be a tough one. And we've got some examples of what some of these perks are. You've got Paranoia. It sends out an audible alert when an enemy sets their crosshairs on you. Hmm. Outlander, you take less damage from the circle and are given a speed boost when taking said damage. So if you're outside of the circle of death or whatever it's going to be, uh, you'll receive less damage, but you'll also be faster so you'll be able to escape it. Uh, you've got Consumer. The time to heal yourself, revive teammates, and use items is reduced by 20%. Skulker. Uh, you move more quickly when prone or crouching. I really like that one. Uh, stimulant, your health goes up to w up 100 points. Iron Lungs, you can hold your breath longer when sniping or swimming underwater. Looter, you see lets you see ammo, health, weapons, and other items through walls. And Dead Silence, reduces sound of users' footsteps. That's like the one perk I would make sure I would have on every character in Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. Every time I play Call of Duty, I would want that Dead Silence perk. I don't want you to know I'm coming. I can't shoot, so my best chance is just to kind of get the drop on you, and hopefully I don't shoot the wall next to you. I can actually hit you. Uh, so Dead Silence is a perk that I really, really like. Boys, I want to come to you first. What's your thoughts on a Blackout, including these perks? Kind of Like I said, everything is based around what you've come to know and expect from Call of Duty multiplayer. The fact that they're going to have consumables in here, they're going to give you a time perks. Yeah, I like it. You know, it, it, it sounds cool. Um, obviously, we'll have to see exactly how it is in uh... – in action or in in practice when it's actually when you're actually using it in the game mode there but um you know like you said something like dead silence sounds awesome uh skulker like like those ones sound sound really really cool so would definitely be interested to um to see how they work and, and check those out at some point but uh yeah like you said it fits in with the call of duty mold you know it's it's like the perks that's that's part of, of what you expect with the call of duty experience um yeah so I, I remain super curious about about blackout man and you know we've got the big boys entering into the ring now with battlefield and call of duty and obviously Fortnite, PUBG, like these guys have been been iterating on these games for for a while now so it's gonna be very interesting to see if the uh the big dogs can come in as the new kids on the block and kind of make a dent in this or if they're simply gonna fall victim to the fact that Fortnite just has this thing down to a T and, and they really, you know, just are have a have a stranglehold on the genre right now. But uh yeah man, can't can't wait to try it out and see what it's all about. Frankie, any thoughts on those perks? Yeah, I mean I like the fact that they're probably gonna be randomly spread out throughout the map. So really it's anyone's game finding them and using them. So I think that's great. Um, you know, especially as the map is bigger, you know, you're probably going to want, you know, things to take out people a lot quicker. So um, I'm hoping, you know, as you know, the ring gets smaller and you get down to like the top, you know, 10 people left that maybe those power ups are very scarce or maybe there's one like very close to where the ring's going to be closing in. So, mm -hmm. um, but no, I, I love the fact that they're going to throw those in there a lot, lot better. It's a lot better than building shit, you know, <laughs> it's always better than building. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Uh, and so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Monday or Tuesday, Frankie, we'll hop on and, and stream some Blackout, man. We'll go through it if you end up pre-ordering it. Cause, uh, I, I did, so we'll see if uh, see if I get a code tomorrow. I hope you do, because I would love to go through and play that with you. It should be a good time. So, 
Oh, what's up, Ace? How's it going, buddy? He says, ew, it's these guys. Yeah, but you're here, so we love you. All right, moving on. We're going to talk some Anthem. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of Bioware games. I, you know, I played Mass Effect 2, so I understand the importance of the dialogue system in there. But uh, apparently Anthem will have more limited dialogue choices than, their other, than Bioware's other titles. Uh, at PAX West 2018, Bioware uh, opened up about what players can expect from Anthem. As story details finally received, uh, received the spotlight, so did uh, other aspects. For instance, a little more about the game's conversation system has surfaced. Bioware is ditching its famous dialogue wheel. Seems more than a tad off course, though, but the, the two-option system indicates an effort to simplify things. And this is what Anthem executive producer Mike Dara had to say. Uh, uh, we are taking we are talking to a different audience, an audience that isn't used to these kinds of decisions in conversation. We wanted it to be simpler. We also didn't want to present you with any false choices where it's like, here, these three choices that lead to the same place. So obviously, you know, playing we've all played Mass Effect. We all understand how the 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 chat or the conversation dialogues play out. Uh, boys, I want to get your thoughts on this, man. Uh, is this is this something that that's right to do? Because I mean, and I understand what they're saying. They're looking at different audiences. You know, are they are they referring to like the Destiny crowd and people like that that aren't that aren't really looking for so much dialogue as they are gameplay? Or or do you think this is a mistake on their behalf? I don't know. I don't. I you know, I'm in the same boat as you. I haven't played really a, a ton of of Bioware's games, so don't have you know really any kind of preconceived like connection to their dialogue wheel or anything like that but I, w- I will say that Forbes put out a, a very interesting article this week that kind of touched on this and also some of the things that I've been thinking about this game as well but this is just another one of these these bullet points in the in the anthem kind of pre-hype machine that, that's got you wondering a little bit about how this story is is going to play out so mm-hmm. like like Forbes pointed out you know we, we've heard about that the story you know only takes place in in the fort itself there. So there's a little bit of concern about just how, you know, uh, just 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 how epic or is this narrative going to be? Is this going to be the typical like Bioware narrative that we've come to expect if all of our story progress like takes place in the fort? Um, but and then this this thing about the the dialogue wheel is interesting in in terms of making these choices. And as Ford points out, they they're like, well, basically Bioware is saying, that, yeah, we gave you all these choices before, but they always led to the same place. So so <laughs> so what's the point? Um, so it, it, it's interesting there, and and obviously they they've taken out things like the the romance options and and maybe some of the more in depth relationships that you could have with some of these characters. You know, this this all re- remains to be seen how this all plays out. But I just think the the description of why they were doing this or the the explanation just sounds stupid like what like what are you talking <laughs> about like we're 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 dealing with a new audience that can't handle a dialogue wheel like that just that just sounds ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> you know so i i don't i don't get the description or the the explanation of it it uh it's not that deep for us to like be able to go in and pick a, a dialogue option out from characters it's not like we've never seen a dialogue wheel before as destiny players or as division players that we can't handle a dialogue choice so that that's a very strange explanation and it's it's another one of those things with anthem man where it's just like it's got you wondering about how this game is going to play out and if this game is going to live up to the the stories that bioware has told in the past um but yeah, I, I remain interested to see how this all plays out. But I, I wouldn't lie if I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit concerned with how this is going to play out and if this is truly going to be the next step up narratively from what we've seen from these kinds of games in the past. 
You know, and, and you mentioned that, and, and, and if I remember correctly, they discussed that the only time you're going to be dealing with any story or characters is in that hub that you yep. return to after every mission. It's Fort, so, Fort Tarsus. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I, you, it's going to be difficult for them to like really, at least from my understanding, you know, when you think about it, if, 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 if everything is taking place in one spot, I mean, how much can you really discuss you know, with an NPC, I mean, everything takes place there. And then you go out on a mission and you're doing whatever you're doing out in the field, battling and killing stuff. But everything is kind of like just restrained to that hub. And I just feel like that's going to make it difficult for them to really expand on like story and character uh, interactions because it's all one spot. Just it just seems weird, man. Like, I, I, I can't picture how this is all going to play. I mean, you've got this big, uh, elaborate, epic sci-fi universe that you're creating with Anthem. And all of the story that we're going to get is is in the, the fort where where the people live mm-hmm. and once again this maybe this plays out a little bit differently than we're thinking of and we just can't process it but yeah it just feels like at some point you're going to want to be out in the world and you're going to be experiencing these uh these machines that are left behind by the by the creators dealing with the the anthem of creation and, and all that kind of stuff there seems like so much there and it maybe you know we're just going to experience it with lore instead of actually through the through the narrative itself but uh yeah i, I can't picture how it's all going to work right now Frankie, what's your take, man? You know, I was thinking about Anthem a lot this week. I don't know why, but it's been like that game. Because like, I was going through my pre-orders for next year, and I'm like, I have Anthem pre-ordered. And I'm sitting here thinking about this, and, you know, kind of, you know, as the story came out. Um, you know, typically with Bioware games, like Mass Effect, right? So your decisions kind of impact, like, the characters around you and kind of the course that your story is going to head in. Whereas with Anthem... I think that it's, it would be too hard for them to try to do that because if you're playing this game with your friends, it, I don't necessarily think you need like a good bad guy, you know, system that they're used to working into their games in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you're playing with your friends, you know, if you're trying to be a good guy and you're and you know, I'm playing as you know a bad guy, our story paths aren't going to match. So it's not going to make a lot of sense for us to be going out doing the same mission with the same results and then. You know what I mean? So I mm-hmm. think for them to make a game like this, they had to rethink how they wanted to do the storytelling. So to me, it makes sense, you know, the more I've thought about it, how, you know, they want to go about this one with maybe a more simplified system. And I mean, to a degree, I, I do agree with their point of, you know, this is kind of something a little bit different for this genre because, I mean, Destiny, I don't even really remember dialogue options in. I mean, were there? I don't remember, honestly. But I don't remember any of those. I don't remember them. I, I didn't play enough of the division to even know if they carry into that or not. So like these bigger, you know, co-op driven, you know, MMO ish games, if you will, don't really rely on telling like a, an incredible story or anything. You know, the stories that you guys and myself all share with destiny is the stuff that we've all accomplished together, you know, and there's lore in there to stitch it together. Sure. But like, ultimately those games are about the experience you're having with your friends. Right. So, I'm all for Bioware's like kind of going in here with this Iron Man, you know, suit aesthetic and, you know, and granted, I still want to see more of the world. That's the thing I want. I want massive badass boss fights with us wearing, you know, Iron Man suits. (laughs) That's what that's all I want out of this game is I want that experience to feel freaking awesome. Yes, I do have expectations for a story, but at the same time, like wrapping my mind around like that genre what i'm expecting gameplay wise i'm trying to come to terms with the fact that the story isn't going to be like you know mass effect one great it's not i Mm -hmm. absolutely no way it will so i mean i kind of feel for him because that pressure has to be there it's bioware you know they're renowned for their single player games their amazing stories 
except for Mass Effect and Jarmat, because that game sucks. But <laughs> you know, I I think you know, like like you know, they're talking about like this is kind of you know a new territory for them. So I think with them kind of readjusting their expect you know, what they're trying to accomplish, like we have to readjust like what we expect out of Bioware, considering what this game is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, cor- correct me if I'm wrong on this, but haven't hasn't Bioware set these expectations? Haven't they come out and yeah. said that we are going to produce a story in this type of game? That is different from what you've come to expect. They've all but come out and said that, look, our story is going to be way better than the stories you've experienced in Destiny or The Division. We are going to come out and get bar. Yeah, I, I, I get it, but <laughs> but you get you get what I'm saying here. They're, they're coming yeah. out and they're like, we're going to give you a different narrative experience. We're going to give you the Bioware narrative experience in this kind of game. So mm-hmm. to me, they, they've set this bar themselves. So for mm-hmm. for them, they're they're now going to have to deliver on this, and and like it or not, this is what their studios built on. Their studios built on the narratives that they have created. So whether or not the, whatever type of game genre this is, it doesn't matter. When you're a Bioware fan and you're going into and you're buying one of their games, you are expecting a Bioware caliber story, and if they don't deliver that, their fans are going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and you make a good point there. I mean, yeah, the, you know, definitely that's it's not a high bar with Destiny, uh, but when when you have a developer, it depends on the developer that's saying this. I mean, like like look, you and I played Sniper Elite Four, boys, and we played it cooperatively. And mm-hmm. if Rebellion comes out and says, "Hey, this is gonna be more story than you can ever expect," I'd be like, mm, "Okay, we'll see about that." You know, that's Rebellion. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't expect any depth from a Sniper Elite game, but this is Bioware. And when Bioware comes out and says you're gonna get more story than you've ever gotten before. Sorry, you just set a precedence. You have set expectations because you are Bioware. We know what you can do in terms of stories. We know what you're capable of. And when you sit there and say it's going to be a lot more than what you expect, you better deliver now because you're Bioware. And that's what you do. You do stories. That's, that's, just, that's the only, that's the only uh, thing I want to say about that. But it's, uh, it should be interesting to see how this plays out. But I'm just, I'm just curious, man. What's up? Fear the Beards in the chat. Alpha Bravo says uh, they will put the story in Grimoire cards. God, I hope <laughs> not. Um, but, uh, no, it's just, um, yeah, man, I, I hope this game is good. I'm just always, I'm worried about that hub being the central point for the story and the narrative. Because the beauty of, like, the Bioware games, when you play Mass Effect, you're interacting with NPCs in other areas, in other universes, on other planets, and they're giving you the backstory about that area. You're going to have one area where you're going to talk to people and get story. I just feel like that's restricting them from being able to branch out like Bioware does into all different parts of of, of the worlds they create. I'm just curious to see how long that's going to last or how deep this story is going to be, man. Yeah, that's understandable. But the other thing, too, is like, in Mass Effect, your companions are all AI. You know, like, all those stories are kind of driven through, you know, NPC characters. You know, like, it's not myself, boys, you. Like mm-hmm. like I said, like, it's all us actually playing all these different characters. So I think, like, that's probably where, you know, if anything, they're hitting a wall there. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, other people's characters aren't necessarily going to be in your game as, you know, NPCs, you know, with story beats attached to them. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm I'm seeing like them like what, you know what would you expect them to do in that case? Yeah, and I think that's just I think that's just the 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 fault with this type of game. It do, it doesn't mm-hmm. give you a lot of room to build on lore and build on story because like you said it's a co-op sh- uh, action shooter and it's very difficult to find areas to implement story, which is why 
Bungie added the Grimoire cards, which is why they were like, hey, look, I know it's not popular, but it's the only way we can get story out there in a way for the people that want story. They have to read the Grimoire cards. I just think it's this type of game in general, this style of game, the Divisions, the Anthems, the Destinies, it's very difficult for them to make a focused story, a full-on like a full-on narrative. It's very difficult to implement that. I don't know why. I just, I just look at these games. Division, eh, story's kind of weak, more about the gameplay. Destiny 1. Story's kind of weak, more about the gameplay. Destiny 2, a little bit better with Forsaken so far, but all in all, these types of games don't have super deep narratives, but there is way to find out stuff. There's lore in, in Destiny, there's lore in Division, there's going to be lore in Anthem, but yeah, I think it's just this model of game that's very difficult for them to make like a single-player experience story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's that's just like the main thing I keep honing in on is the fact that the characters that they would need to establish more of a Bioware story that we're used to, mm-hmm. they can't do because, you know, it's us. So Right, right. And, uh, you know, that, that got people talking this week when this story came out because then all of a sudden people started wondering, um, you know, they're worried the future installments in the Dragon Age, Dragon Age series and Mass Effect series will also be influenced by what they're doing with Anthem. Uh, but these fears are unfounded, uh, says Bioware General Manager Casey Hudson. This is what he had to say. Quote, some weird stuff going on, uh, going around about how our future games will be influenced by Anthem. Of course, when we do a Dragon Age game, it will be designed from the ground up based on what Dragon Age should be. Same with Mass Effect. End quote. In a follow tweet, Hudson made sure to stress that Anthem stands apart from other Bioware franchises and that the only influence uh, it will have on other titles uh, the studio develops is strictly related to what it learns in terms of game design. Quote, Anthem is specific is a specific thing that's unique from our other IPs in many ways. What carries forward is what we learn about game design, which is a constant ev- uh, evolution. End quote. Voice, your thoughts on Casey Hudson? And uh, I think this is the right way to respond to this because Dragon Age fans are Dragon Age fans. They want Dragon Age. Mass Effect fans know what to expect from Mass Effect game. Sans uh, Andromeda and, and and Anthem fans, or Anthem isn't out yet, so they don't know what they like yet. But I think this was a good reply by Casey. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's just setting some ground rules here that, look, Anthem is, is a different beast. Anthem's a different franchise. They need to approach this in a different way than they've approached some of their games in the past. So it's just because they do something in Anthem, that doesn't necessarily mean this is what they're going to do in Dragon Age or in Mass Effect. You know, they, they talk about Anthem being an, an evolution of the of their formula or all of their games being an evolution of, of what they've created in the past. So I think that's kind of what led to, to this idea that that Anthem is somehow going to uh, negatively influence what people want from a Dragon Age or a Mass Effect game. But for the time being, at least, you know, we'll take Bioware at their word that Anthem is, is going to do Anthem things, and this is going to be completely separate from their other two big franchises. Frankie? No, I agree with Ben. Um, you know, obviously, you know, like Casey said, there's expectations for the franchises they have established. So there's certain things that, you, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So that's mm-hmm. obviously, you know, his, his approach to those. But... It's kind of the same thing, though, is, you know, it's an, an evolution of how they approach game design. So if there's some kind of system in place in Anthem that works out extremely well for them, that they're like, dude, this makes total sense to bring this over to Dragon Age. Like, there's mm-hmm. a way to do that and it still be Dragon Age, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where he talks about game design. You know, that's something that will always evolve. And if something works in an anthem, whether it be subtle or obvious, and it, and it fits into what Dragon Age and Mass Effect is, yeah, I would totally expect them to implement it. But yeah, I don't, I don't expect them to be make Dragon Age and Mass Effect <laughs> the same as Anthem going forward. There's right, no way. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. And if they did that, the fans would would, would burn the house down. So no, I'm not, yeah. I'm not too concerned about that at all. Um, another bit of information, the Anthem demo release date has been confirmed by BioWare. It revealed that the demo will be playable on February 1st for the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. The early play session is being considered a VIP demo and will be automatically available to EA Access and Origin Access subscribers at both the basic and premier tiers. Those who have pre-ordered Anthem by the demo date will also be able to participate. BioWare also clarified that this is an honest-to-goodness demo, not a technical test, though the size or content of the demo was not revealed. So, on February 1st, we'll all be able to jump in and find out just what the hell this game is and uh, if it's um, if there's going to be a good story there. I mean, obviously, you're not going to find out all of it, but I think that's going to be a big day. Everyone's going to want to jump in and finally see what Anthem is going to be like, kind of get an idea of what to expect when the game launches. But uh, I'll be there on February 1st. I'm definitely going to check this out because I do have a lot of interest in Anthem uh, and to see just how good a Bioware type of Destiny game can be. Last thing I want to mention about Anthem is um, Bioware is keen to avoid the problems many games have run into as of late with the perception that at launch releases may be, quote, incomplete. Executive producer Mark Adara said he feels consumers will be getting a good, valuable game when Anthem launches. And while more content will naturally be added post-launch, Dara promised there will be plenty to keep players going for the long haul right out of the gate. Here's what he had to say. Quote, you would be able to play for months and months, even if we weren't layering a, a, layering a live service on top of it. So I think it's an excellent value right off the start. You know, four months exosuit, or you know, four exosuits, a complete story. So both, I think, it's a complete package, but it's also the starting line of an experience as well. End quote. Uh, I'm, I think this is the right thing to say. I mean, people, that, that's what people want. They want a bunch of stuff to do with start. They understand. Like, look, right now at this point, we all know what these types of live service games are. We all know what Destiny is. We all know what the Division is. We all know what they are. It's always that that first group that just powers through a game as quickly as possible to get to the end game they're the first ones to get vocal about whether there's enough to do or not and uh, ultimately man you know it doesn't matter someone's going to hit that point quicker than someone else be like there's not enough to do here there's always going to be that opinion there's always going to be at least 10 percent of the players like no not enough to do here i powered through it i didn't sleep at all i don't work and all this jazz and for (laughs) them cool i wish i was them i really do but for other people like myself Boys, I know you, Frankie. You're, you're, been a, you're. I know you're a grinder, man. So I know you can hit the end of a game quicker than we can. But even then, there's times, Frankie, where you're just like, I don't understand why people are bitching about this. Like, it, there's plenty to do here. And so, I mean, if they come out and tell me, look, there's gonna be enough to do for months, I know I'm all set. I'm not gonna be able to play this game all day, every day. <laughs> so I'm not too concerned about that. But boys, any any thoughts on Mark Dare's comments here? I mean, yeah. I'm not worried about it. Obviously, we would expect the game to be a, a complete package on day one, but Bioware has yet to meet the games-as-a-service crowd, and I don't think they mm. understand just how much those people play these games. So right. uh, <laughs> when they go on Twitter, uh, like a couple days after release, and people are like, yeah, I've completed everything, and I've max-leveled my character, they might might be in for like a rude awakening in terms of how, uh-huh. be, how people play these games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about the, the package itself, so I, I would expect them to say nothing different. Mm-hmm. Frankie? No, that's the same point I was going to make was, 
yeah, I think Bungie thought Destiny 2, you know, the game launched with far more content than the first game, thought people would be, you know, satiated until the first big expansion. No. <laughs> so I look, I'm expecting that with Anthem, you know, people are excited about this game. They're going to play the hell out of it. They're going to be done with it the first week and go, all right, what next? You know, and, you know, like you said, Bioware's going to be like, oh, shit. So, <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I'd be totally shocked if Bioware isn't uh, aware of how uh, voracious this, this live service can be, this live service audience can be. I mean, when we saw what happened with Destiny 2 and that community erupted. Everybody, my, my grandma doesn't use Twitter and she knew about it. Everybody was that pissed. So I believe Bioware knows just how uh, uh, passionate, I'll use that word, passionate these types of fans can be. So no, they're, they're aware of it. They know they have to come out and make sure there's enough to do because they don't want to be on the receiving end of what Bungie had to put up with for the last six months. So they know yeah. what's going on. Who does though? <laughs> yeah, valid. All right. Next story, Frank, you know, this is one you're excited about. THQ Nordic has bought the Kingdom, uh, Kingdoms of Amalar franchise. They purchased uh, this from 38 Studios. The company has finalized a deal to acquire Kingdoms of Amalur and the Amalur property based on the abandoned uh, Copernicus. Copernicus? Copernicus. Copernicus. That's a big <laughs> word. Copernicus MMORPG project. It came out back in 2012 and features fast-paced third-person combat. The game hails from author R.A. Salvatore, uh, Spawn creator Todd McFarlane, and Elders 4, uh, Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion lead designer Ken Rolston. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the one that Kurt Schilling was a part of? Yep. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it is. Developer 38 Studios would eventually get sued by the Rhode Island Economic Development Corporation. The company took out a $75 million loan it couldn't pay back. Supported by Rhode Island tax players in 2016, the developer was not indicted with criminal charges. But, yeah, I do remember this the one that Kurt Schilling was a part of. And, uh, dude, uh, Kurt Schilling, man, what, what a character. But, um, Frankie? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I want to come to you first, man. Your thoughts on THQ Nordic picking this up, and are you excited to see what they'll do with the franchise? I love the fact that THQ Nordic is, like, slowly taking over the world. <laughs> like, I feel like at some point, like, they're going to own Ubisoft, they're going to own Activision, they're going to own everybody. But um, I am excited, though, because obviously they're going to remaster the game and put it out. That's what they've been doing with a lot of the properties they've been snatching up, and... um. This is a game I actually never got around to playing. I did buy all the DLC and, you know, planned on playing it at some point. Um, and I know one of my ex-girlfriends was playing it, um, you know, when uh, I forget what, what other game came out. Or no, I was playing Infamous 2 at the time and she had started Kingdoms of Amalur. But uh, yeah, I, from what I saw of, you know, that game being played, it looked awesome. Mm -hmm. And a little bit about it gave me a bit of a, a tiny Borderlands vibe, which I love. So uh, and I'm excited. I am. I, I cannot wait for them to eventually remaster it pack in all that dlc put that thing out because that that game looks awesome and i was i was always really bummed with like what happened with 38 studios and kurt chilling because it seemed like you know he just wanted to you know he retired from playing baseball and just wanted this had this game idea that he wanted to bring to life so i always thought that you know it kind of sucked that that's what ended up happening with him so mm -hmm. um but as far as copernicus goes i remember when it was going under and, you know, kind of like all the details about it were coming out, it sounded kind of cool. I know, like, at the time it was chasing the World of Warcraft, you know, monthly subscription model. So, obviously, you know, if T if uh, THQ Nordic does anything with it, they're going to have to kind of rethink what exactly it's going to be going forward. And I can't imagine they're going to bring back, you know, the, the guys involved with it. 
uh, just because I highly doubt they're going to want to even touch that franchise at this point because, you know, bad memories, I assume. But um, mm-hmm. either way, I'm I'm glad this one got snapped up, Um, you know, just from what I had seen of this game. Like it was it was a, a game that had a lot of promise to be a really cool franchise. So mm-hmm. really, really can't wait for that eventual remaster. Yeah, I actually I do remember I picked that game up and I played a little bit, but I just don't remember any of it. I mean, I'm, I can't, I know, I remember, I, I remember, I do remember I enjoyed what I played. I can't even tell you how much I did play of it because uh, that was 2012 and I'm old. Uh, but uh, Cooper loved it. He said the game is a blast and one of the best action RPGs I've ever played. I do, God, I'm trying to remember this game. I know I played it, but not an extensive amount. And I love uh, what Optic said TH Nor- THQ Nordic is the next Disney. Just scooping everything up, man. THQ is on their way, on their way to being the next Disney. Boys. Uh, your thoughts on this acquisition and uh, and uh, what it means for what it could possibly mean for the franchise? Yeah, you know, um, Kurt Schilling's a, a total dick bag, but I've always I've always been <laughs> I've always been interested in in Kingdoms of Amalur. I know, you know, it was a it was a very widely praised game when it came out. Never played it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, the story of, of Thirty Eight Studios is 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 crazy. But um, yeah, like Frankie said, I, I would expect this game to get a, a remaster. They've literally done that with I think every single property that they've picked up. They've just remastered the existing games and, and put them back out there. So I think it's a very safe bet that this game's going to be returning to the shelves remastered at some point. And yeah, that was my other thought too that maybe they would go out like they've done with some of these other games that they have in their stable and, and try to recruit some of the original people that worked on this game and maybe try to restart the franchise. You know, I don't, don't know if that's in the cards or not, or what the ultimate goal is with this. Maybe it's just simply to get the, the remastered Amalur game out there to people don't know what their, what their plans are. But at the very least, I think that's something I'd be interested to uh, get out there and experience at some point. And uh, yeah, I mean, like seriously, this game was very, very widely praised when it came mm-hmm. out. I remember hearing about it left and right and, and people really, really enjoying it and things like, like Coop was saying, you know, this just really, really a strong entry in the action adventure genre. So, um, yeah, I'd I'd be all for experiencing this at some point. I'm sure Cooper would too, as well. I, I'd like it too, because so I can actually go back in and remember what the hell I played. I know I played it, I just can't remember much about it. So, uh, I remember um, the character she was playing as one of the weapons she had was these really cool, um, like circle blades she was beating the shit up people with that i just remember watching that going dude this looks awesome so yeah well i'm pretty sure thq bought it for a reason they're gonna they're gonna make use of it for sure probably also fun fact uh grant kirkhope did the soundtrack for that oh great the guy that did on mario vs rabbits Mm -hmm. mario rabbits uh donkey kong ukulele nice i know that's gonna be a good i know that's a good soundtrack i wonder if you can get that soundtrack still you can you can Mm-hmm. Hmm. I have to check out. Maybe, maybe that's all I need because that's how I am with some games or some soundtracks. I'll remember certain parts of games, like oh, I know in this yeah. track plays. So maybe I just need to listen to it, and then I'll remember something from the game. Yeah, it's on his Bandcamp page, I believe. It's on Bandcamp. Okay, there mm-hmm. you go. Check it out. Up next, the new the the new and final story based expansion for Shovel Knight titled King of Cards will be releasing on April 9th, two thousand nineteen. Uh, Showdown, a, a series of new modes that, uh, actually, no, Shovel Knight will also feature a mode called Showdown, which is a series of new modes that will allow for up to four players to play as one of several characters from the beloved game and, com- and compete. Players can compete in either one-on-one duels, in four-player free-for-alls, or as cooperative teams battling against AI. Modes in Shovel Knight Showdown include Gem Clash, Showdown, and a full story mode. 
which is customized to each playable character, offering a series of challenges, minigames, and a final new encounter. Boys, this is a big update for Shovel Knight. I mean, this is going to bring a lot of people back into Shovel Knight, and they're adding a multiplayer mode, man. Now, as a big fan of Shovel Knight, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, here's the thing, man. I, you know, King of Cards, I'm sure it's going to be excellent. The Shovel Knight Showdown looks like a fun distraction. I'm not sure if this is something I would, I would play, uh, you know, with any kind of depth, maybe however the, the story modes play out. But, you know, this looks like a, you know, a, a Smash Brothers light type of game. So, you know, it looks interesting. Like I said, I'm sure King of Cards is going to be great. But at, at this point, dude, I don't know how long it's, we're going on like four or five years with Shovel Knight at this point. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm just, I just kind of want Yacht Club to move on to something else. You know, like I like I get mm-hmm. it. Shovel Knight's an awesome game, and I love uh, you know specifically um, that in in either uh, sp- even uh, Specter of Torment was was really good. But at this point, I want to see them do something else. Like I want to see what else they're capable of. They put out this survey like a year ago where they listed all these different types of games that they could possibly move on to next. And there were things like Metroidvanias and and fighting games and any number of different things were were on there that they could do. And even if it's just simply moving on to Super Shovel Knight or the next version of Shovel Knight, like I just want to see them get away from this game. Like it's just. It's it's kind of overstayed its welcome at this point. Like I like I get it. There's all these things that they promise, but I'm not entirely sure why it's taking so long to get these expansions out. Like I don't know why a King Knight expansion is taking this long, you know, to to come out when the the base like game is already created. And uh, I don't want that to sound like like a big thing to say. Like I'm not a developer and I don't understand how all this stuff works. And Yacht Club is a small team and I know that they're working hard over there, but it's just. I just want something else at this point, dude. Like, I want them to do something else. I'm just tired of them releasing Shovel Knight add-ons at this point, you know, five years into the game. And by the time King of Cards comes out, like, I, I feel like most Shovel Knight fans are going to be the same way. They'll be like, all right, you know, cool, but it's, it's hard to get excited about this game at this point. It's it's another, you know, Shovel Knight edition, and it's going to play a little bit differently than the other ones. But by for the most part, it's going to be just another, like, version of that game, and I'm just I'm just ready to move on. Um, I'm shocked. I I thought this was going to be a fun segment, an exciting <laughs> segment with lots of laughs. And Boyce just drops a napalm bomb on my picnic I had planned for him. So, sorry, sorry, wow. Buddy. No, that's cool, Buzz Killington. Do your thing. Frankie, save this guy and save this segment, please. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I've only played the main Shovel Knight game. No, but here's the thing. When, when Shovel Knight came out, you know, Mega Man was pretty much dead and buried at that point. There was no... We did not see Capcom with any desire to do anything with Mega Man. And since then, the Legacy Collection's out there. The Mega Man X Legacy Collection's out there. Mega Man 11 is coming out. Like, that genre has, you know, expanded more than just Shovel Knight itself. A lot of other games have stepped up and kind of brought that genre back to life in a lot of ways. So, when Shovel Knight came out, like, yeah, like, I understood why that game was so popular. But now... You know what I mean? Like, there's so many other games like it you can be playing. And like Ben said, you know, Shovel Knight is still Shovel Knight. At the end of the day, even if it's a different character, it's still Shovel Knight. And don't get me wrong, Shovel Knight is fantastic. I I beat that game earlier this year. Finally, I was so happy to do that. Um, But by the time I was done with it, I was like, I don't really want to play any more Shovel Knight. You know, I I, I don't want to sound mean or anything, but I was like, this is great. And like Ben said, you know, King of Cards looks awesome. You know, that's a really cool setting. And, you know, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun when it comes out. But, like, as of right now, I'm just not dying to play any more Shovel Knight. 
Jeez, oh man, boys, way to we need Bender it. for this. Honestly, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know where he is, but boys, way to throw this on the outline. That was a good topic. Uh, <laughs> no, geez, I, I, next, I, next time, just put a shit emoji next to it before <laughs> we run it, so I'm not to set the mood for it. No, I, you know, I, I knew when when this topic was on here that this is the direction I was going to go with this. And I, I just think it's worth discussing. You know, it's just like. There's just something about uh, like DLC. It's just you know I I get like it's a it's a new campaign and it's it's going to be marketed as almost like a new game when it eventually comes out. But you know it's just like it's DLC. It's just like imagine getting DLC for a game you bought five years ago. It's like are you are you really gonna get Duty Black Ops Three? Yeah, like are you really right. gonna get that excited about it anymore? Like we've moved on at this point where there's a million millions of other games we've played since this game originally came out. So it's just like I I want Yacht Club to move on and do something else. Now, man, it's just the reality of it. I absolutely love Shovel Knight. It's a fantastic video game. It's one of the best like 2D platformers of this generation, undoubtedly. It's a fantastic homage to Mega Man and Mario Brothers Three and and uh, you know the adventure of Link and and all the other games that it pulls from. It's a wonderful video game. But I want to see what else this developer can do because they did so well with Shovel Knight. Like, I want to see what else they're capable of. It's in some ways to me, it's almost kind of a missed opportunity. The fact that they did do all the expansions in the same style. I felt like it would have been cool if the expansions kind of, you know, like when they did um, like Spectre Knight, if that one took like the SNES version, you know, like and kind of evolved like, you know, Shovel Knight paying homage to the older games and, you know, King of Cards being, you know, like an N64 style game or something like that. So I think in that instance, they kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Just to, just to keep Shovel Knight interesting, knowing that it was going to still be relevant, you know, years down the road. Hmm. Optic, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't save the segment, dude. I know you want <laughs> Optic's like save, save Shovel Knight. I can't, dude, because these guys will literally bury me with a shovel, and that'll be irony. And I just, no, I'm just not going to. Uh, I'm gonna let them just. Wow, soundtrack I, is wonderful. I love Shovel Knight. Music. Too late, Frankie. It's too late. You, you, ju- you guys both just trashed this game. It is, and it's, it's just- I, I'm not like I'm not trashing this game. Like I said, Shovel Knight is an amazing video game. It's one of my top ten games of of the generation, probably. Like it's that good of a video game. If you have not played it, like you need to play it. But and that's part of the reason I want to see what else Yacht Club games can do. Like, can you imagine them making a Super Metroid type of game? With with the the pedigree that they've set forth with what they've done with with Yacht Club games, dude, I would be there on day one to buy that. Like, I want to see what else the studio is capable of. And if they can take other genres or other games of, of the past that I've really really loved and and do something with them, I would love to see them make a Metroidvania game. That's what I want to see them do honestly next. So if we can get this game out, and we're still April 2019 is the release date for King of Cards, April 2019. It's like we're we're still you know seven eight months away from that at this point and just like man I just want you guys to get this out and just move on please. Hmm. They spent the entire generation making shovel knight add-ons. <laughs> like shovel shovel knight came out I think it was twenty fourteen I mean it's it just it's it's crazy. Let's let, let's move on from the smoldering ashes of this segment. <laughs> let's move into uh, something a little bit more positive since uh, King of Cards can go to hell, I guess. So anyways, I'm um, sorry, Shovel Knight fans. Uh, up next, uh, boys, we got a couple of games uh, announcements that might have been originally a, a part of the uh, postponed Nintendo Direct. Uh, what are some of the games that got announced this week, dude? Yeah, so very, very interesting, Brent. But uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there was a Nintendo Direct that was announced earlier this week. I, it was supposed to happen a few days ago, but um, there ended up being a, uh, you know, a sizable earthquake in in Japan, 
and Nintendo mm-hmm. decided to to postpone the the direct. So it created this weird ripple effect where there were several companies, and this is all this is all just conjecture at this point. We don't really know if these were planned for the Nintendo Direct, but it's a pretty safe assumption that they were because they all were, were, you know refer to the Switch in some way, shape, or form. So uh, and and because of that, so these publishers are all like getting ready to make these announcements, and some of them went ahead and made these announcements anyways even in the absence of, of the Nintendo Direct. Now, this this first one we're going to talk about is not really an announcement, but we appear to have a, uh, a leak of the name of the Yoshi Switch game. So a Twitter user by the name of the OG EVG was perusing Nintendo's official website and looking at the Super Smash Bros. page when he spotted the apparent slip. At the bottom of the page, a suggested games tool pulled up a 2019 Nintendo Switch game with the name Yoshi's Crafted World clearly displayed. Although, um, this is from an IGN article, they've been unable to replicate that suggested result. Nintendo has likely taken it down by now. Other site visitors have also reported as seeing it. So, um, not really any anything to to say other than that we have the name of the, of the game out there. But, uh, I don't know. Like, Frankie, do you think this means that maybe we're a little bit closer to the release date of Yoshi? They said it was delayed till till 2019, but is this maybe an early 2019 title? Like, were they getting ready to give us some info on, on when this thing was coming out? I think so, honestly, because I know that was one of the big games that E3 we were expecting to see, didn't see anything of. Um, and we're kind of past that point now, so we're probably talking, you know, this direct being Switch games for the rest of the year and into early next year. So definitely Yoshi was one of the ones on my list that I wanted to see. So I totally believe that this is the name of that game. That that sounds like what I was expecting the game to be style wise too. So yeah, Brent, you're a huge Yoshi fan. Do you, uh, are you, are you getting out there to, to pre-order this one? And I, and you, you can't wait for Yoshi's crafted world. Uh, don't come to me on this one. I'll give it the king of cards treatment here in a second. So that's take what I was, that shit back the other way. That's what I was. That's what I was waiting for, man. <laughs> so next on our list of Nintendo Switch Direct or supposedly could have been Direct announcements, the Mega Man Eleven demo is available now. So as you guys are are listening to this show, you should have already played this if you if you've been interested in it. I have not been able to play this. Uh, oddly enough. I'm super interested in Mega Man 11. I will be there on day one to get this game. But there's a demo available now for the Switch, for the PlayStation 4, for the Xbox One. So if you're interested in seeing what this is all about, definitely get in there and check that out. But I want to get in there and, and see how this new art style works um, specifically. I want to see see how it uh, how the game feels, if it still feels like the, the Mega Man I know and love. So I do need to get in there and play this at some point. Uh, a strange one here, Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition has been released for the ps4 and xbox one it's available right now it apparently was going to be announced for the switch as well um you know i don't know when exactly the switch version is going to come out but it's on sale right now on the on the psn and xbox store um so i don't what exactly is is pocket edition the the it's full a chibi the, version. is it the full final fantasy 15 game just in chibi or I think it, I don't know if it's like to scale, but I think it's just basically the game, you know, obviously in a chibi world, chibi setting. I actually looked this up because I seen this announcement. I was like, what? Like, what is this? What is this pocket pool edition? I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. And uh, so I looked it up and yeah, it's just basically like little chibi versions of all the characters in a chibi setting. But I guess it's the full like narrative. I don't know how hmm. much there is in terms of like the scale of the combat and everything, but it is Final Fantasy 15, but in chibi form. Yeah, so you know, I, I remember this coming to mobile, and it, it was an interesting idea at the time. But 
Like, what is the purpose of bringing this to PS4 and Xbox One? Like, Final Fantasy XV Royal Edition was on sale last week for $19.99. So for $2 more on PlayStation 4, you could have gotten the entire Final Fantasy XV experience in all of its, like, HD glory. Like, what is the point of having this on PS4 and Xbox One? That seems like a, a very strange addition. Like, it's cool if you want to put it on the Switch and have a handheld version of it. Like, I get that, but very strange addition to the PS4 Xbox One library. Um, not the, Not fully understanding that one. They probably just want you to play the game, and it's probably shorter, so it's, a, it's probably for you. It's a it's a valid point. I mean, I, I do hold a specific weight in the gaming community, so uh, it would make a lot of sense that Square would release a game specifically aimed at myself. So uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll get on there and buy it just to appease them. We'll have to, Might have to. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> um, yeah, ne- next thing we want to mention is uh, Civilization Six. Speaking of strange announcements. So Civilization VI was apparently set to be announced for the Switch dropping on November 16th. Now, uh, Brent, if there was one game in the in the catalog of games across the entire spectrum of the gaming world that I would that I would peg to not come to consoles, much less the Switch, it would <laughs> it would be Civilization VI. What in the hell is this game doing on Switch? Like, can this even work? Uh, dude, I don't know. I think my I think this is the game my brother tried to play on his PC and it almost melted. Like his PC, obviously his PC isn't like super powerful. But man, did this uh, how how watered down is this version going to have to be to run on the Switch, dude? That, that's what I'm curious of. Not not just graphically, but this is a very demanding game that that f- all we've heard over the years with Civilization is that you really need a mouse and keyboard to to really play this game right. like the way it's meant to be played. So on a handheld system on the Switch. Um, obviously you can play this on your TV as well, but I got to think that they're putting this on the switch with the idea that people are going to be taking this thing on the go with them. And they're going to be probably using the touchscreen maybe to, to move, to move units around and, and, and what's not and whatnot. But Frankie, I don't, I don't see like, I just, I don't really get who this is for. Are people clamoring for civilization six on the switch? Is this, this to me seems like a case of, Hey, let's just throw games on the switch because that that's what we do <laughs> like let's just try and put any game we can on the nintendo switch so there's this weird thing in the industry where because a game exists it should exist on the switch I, I i'm not fully understanding this one i i was shocked when i saw this honestly because i thought you know like yourself like there's no way like xcom 2 barely functions properly on playstation 4 pro <laughs> and an xbox one x like how the hell is civilization gonna run on the switch but that you know doom runs on the switch so right like Brent said, like this thing has to be severely watered down to even properly work on there. And I mean, look, the first thing I'm sitting here thinking of when I'm thinking of like Fraxis games I'd want on there, just port XCOM Enemy Unknown over. I'll happily buy that game and play that again on the Switch. Or port Civ Rev 2. That's the one that was on the Vita and never came to like main consoles. I think that would have been more ideal than to just be like, hey, let's just take the proper civilization franchise and bring it over to the Switch. Don't get me wrong, that sounds really great on paper, but I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't. I just don't know about all the touchscreen and, you know, placements and whatnot. I don't know. I And plus, I just bought it off, off Steam for like 20 bucks or something. So I, I, have it on, I have it on PC. So as somebody who loves the Switch, I'm not going to, I just don't see myself even wanting to try it on there because it's, it's just going to be a nightmare. 
and, and you know, and when you guys think of like you mentioned civilization, there's a lot of mouse and keyboard mouse. You're you're clicking on a lot a lot of stuff. <laughs> Optic Ghost said Cyberpunk 2077 could easily run on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, if they're using the same cell shading <laughs> they use in uh, in Borderlands. Uh, but no, like it's like the um, when you look at the Switch and you think of Civilization Six and like, mouse and keyboard, there's so many things you got to click on. There's so many sub menus you got to go through. And I mean, yeah, I understand the Switch has a touch screen, and that's probably going to be a better way to play it than using the analog sticks to move everything off. But are you going to really want to be sitting there just smudging on your Switch all day, uh, scrolling mm-hmm. around the map, digging into the little menu? I mean, it's just, dude, there's no way. There's no way I'd want to play it. I don't play Civilization games. I don't have the patience where I usually just try to like find a way to nuke everything and go home. But it's just like, it, I just I, this is not something I want to play on the Switch, let alone any console. Yeah, no, this this is a mouse and keyboard experience. And like you, know, like you said, the touchscreen probably sure helps over Ugh. a controller. But no, I, I bought Civ on PC because that is a PC franchise. I'm sorry. Mm. I love the Switch, but no. That's a great announcement, though. That would have been a really cool surprise. Well, got people hyped. And like Boyce said, there are people that are just like, yeah, I'll buy whatever you throw at me because I want to be able to say, yep, I'm playing Doom on the Switch. Or I'm playing mm-hmm. Skyrim on the Switch. And I understand the allure of that. That's really cool. You can play a lot of big games. But, man, does I don't know if every single game has to be added to the Switch, man. It's just, yeah, and Cooper said it, too. He goes, it doesn't even seem like the right audience on the Switch. Right. I mean, it, it, there, is there any other game like that on the Switch? Just who, who on the Switch is like, man, you know what we really need? <laughs> Civilization Six. That's what we need on the Switch right now. Ugh. I don't know, man. Anybody in the chat? I mean, uh, I don't think so. I can't think of anybody that'd be like, man, I really want to take this on the go with me. I want to have this in there. Yeah. I want to be. I want to smudge up my screen as I go and click on things and move stuff around and and then switch to the handles where I need to do something else and then go back to the screen. No, nope. yeah, no. I don't want to do any of that shit. No, no thank you. Like I said, Civrev two would have been the optimal thing to do, mm-hmm. or Civrev nope. three and just have that as a Switch exclusive. Yeah. That would have also been cool. Like those games, the Civilization Revolution games would work on the Switch. But the full out, like full blown Civ experience. Yeah. I'm good. Continue, Mr. Boys. That's it, man. That's it for this segment. That's it. Uh oh, right. oh, sorry, one more thing. Uh Valkyria Chronicles coming to the Switch on October sixteenth. So the original one. Looks like it's gonna be twenty bucks. This wasn't a part of the um uh supposed Nintendo Direct. This was announced earlier in the week, but just wanted to throw that out there as well. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Optic Ghost replied, nobody wants it on the Switch. <laughs> I think Optic's right, but hey, you'll have the option to add it. All right, last thing we want to talk about. Man, crossplay is still a discussion, guys. We're still talking crossplay. And uh, Sony, uh, they're, they're, here they are again with one of their cool comments. According to The Independent, Sony CEO Ken, 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 Kenichiro? Ken, Kenichiro. A, there's a, oh, Kenichiro. Yeah, that's, yeah I knew that. I knew it. You, you typed it wrong. Kenichiro <laughs> Yoshida uh, said during Germany's IFA Electronics Convention on cross-platform, our way of thinking is that PlayStation is the best place to play. Fortnite, I believe, partnered with PlayStation 4 is the best experience for our users. That's our belief. But actually, we already opened some games as cross-platform with PC and some others. So we decide based on what is the best user experience. That is our way of thinking for cross-platform play. Uh, he he Yoshida continued to, uh, he called the competition from, from Nintendo and Microsoft a healthy situation for the industry and its ability to grow. Sony's own growth strategy, added Yoshida, will include mobile, but his words make it sound like it won't include connecting PlayStation players with those on the Switch or the Xbox. 
And now this is like, th- this to me, when he says this, sounds a little bit different than what Sean Layden said back in June. When he said he was confident Sony would find a cross-play solution that players would understand and accept. Uh, but, you know, PlayStation of uh, Fortnite players, I don't think they feel that way right now. And I, by, based on this comment here, this is not addressing the issue. I understand cross-platform play in, in regards like, hey, I can jump into Fortnite and I can play with Ben if he's on the Xbox, or I can play with Frankie if he's on the Switch. I understand if that portion doesn't come. But in terms of, like, account stuff, like what you've paid for in your character, like my Fortnite progress, that stuff should be cross-play or cross-platform, whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't like that at all. But this comment here, you know, on cross-platform play, here we are again. Uh, just, you know, a lot of hyperbole and saying, you know, PlayStation is the best place to play. I get that. That's fine. And I don't care, dude. Honestly, man, I own all three platforms. If I want to play something with somebody, I'll just go on that platform and play it. But in terms of uh, the cross uh, uh, um, account stuff, that needs to go. The, cr- the, the, the cross progression, like Super says, that stuff has to get fixed right now. He can't do that. That's I'm sorry. That's weak. That has absolutely nothing to do with gameplay. It has nothing to do with uh, Xbox people playing on the PlayStation Network. The, this is the stuff that this is more quality of life stuff. This is just consideration at this point. Let people have their cross progression stuff. I don't want to hear. Oh, that's not a big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. That needs to be addressed. Cross platform play. I don't care, dude. I don't care about cross platform play. It doesn't affect me. I know it affects people, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, Sony, you're so bad for not playing. I don't care. If I want to play something with people, I'll go play on that system that I have. But the cross-progression stuff needs to be addressed, and they're not addressing it, and that's annoying. It really is. I'm sorry, I'm done. Boyce, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much more to say on the on the cross-play thing. I mean, you you pretty much nailed it there. Uh, we've it's the same story we've been talking about ad nauseum, and and the industry's been talking about for the last few months. So, uh, for whatever reason, Sony is not um, looking to to play a ball on the cross-platform thing. I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Hopefully, they they look at the account stuff and they and they look into that at some time in the future. But I think, um, you know, just just anyone sitting here like thinking or or wishing that cross-play across all three platforms is going to become a thing just needs to let that go because uh, it just uh, clearly not in the cards for Sony right now. And uh, you know the the different executives don't appear to be on the same page with this. Uh, right. I don't, you know, I don't know uh, Yoshida's day-to-day um, responsibilities or, or, or whatnot, but um, yeah, but you know, I think if you, you were to ask Sean, like he probably uh, is one of the guys that would be in that executive room. It would probably be pushing for them to come up with a better solution or, or say something better than what they've set up to this point. But uh, yeah, they keep putting the microphone in front of these different guys who are are not great in front of the microphone. So they should probably rethink um, like who they have out there having these conversations. Like maybe put Sean out there to to deal with these kind mm-hmm. of things. He's he's better at that kind of stuff than these other guys. So uh, so yeah. But I think the bottom line is crossplay will not not be a thing across Xbox, Switch, and PlayStation anytime in the near future. Hopefully they look at the account stuff. Maybe that's what Sean was getting at with his comment. But we'll have to we'll have to see what becomes of all this down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe just update the stock response that everyone has. Yeah, just uh, give everybody you know, a script so that they can say the same thing over and over. <laughs> right. So Jim Ryan and, and Yoshida here, they can just make comments that are more in line with what they should be saying and not just this. I mean, seriously, whenever that, that that's a stock response and it's a really bad response. It's not a good response. It's it's just okay. That's just bullshit. But whatever, you know, you need to start addressing some of the issues that can be fixed. 
And that's the account stuff. Frankie, your thoughts? Um, I agree to a degree. Um, and I say that because when I think of, you know, obviously with Xbox, there's a play anywhere. So me playing We Happy Few on my PC, my progress transferred to Xbox. I love that. That feature, I totally agree. I would mm-hmm. love to see, you know, if, play, if the game works on PlayStation and PC, I want that save file to transfer between the yep. two as well. Especially now that, you know, playing PC games, knowing that they run better, I'd rather play them where they run better, you know? Mm-hmm. But my biggest issue is things like Minecraft. Like, the PlayStation version of Minecraft is being left behind because they don't want to play ball with the whole cross, you know, the whole cross play thing with Xbox and Nintendo. Because now Nintendo and Xbox Minecraft, it's getting updates, it's continuing to grow because those communities, they're just like, hell with it, we're merging them all together. And the PlayStation one's just going to be left behind now because they don't want to play ball. And if you're a Minecraft fan, like you're probably pretty pissed off about that. Mm-hmm. But like, like you guys have talked about before, you know, we've talked tons of times about, you know, the whole, the crossplay thing, just in general, Rocket League and whatnot. I think opening up, you know, to do even doing steam was probably a lot for them. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that they're like, Oh, Hey, look, we are crossplay. And honestly, I think the bigger player pool is going to be with steam anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no idea, you know, player accounts for Switch and Xbox One, but I mean, at some point, you know, we already know millions of people are playing Rocket League. Like, how many more millions of people do you really feel you need to have in the player pool to play the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I understand, too, like there's smaller games out there that would maybe benefit from having a larger pool to draw from. I look at things like, um, what was that, Ruiner? That, or not Ruiner, um, Absolver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that, having more people playing that and having a larger, you know, community would probably benefit that and in games like battleborn and you know lawbreakers and stuff like that that are kind of you know very low player counts then sure by all means like those should probably be cross-played just to get people playing those games but um i don't know i i also go back to like especially the playstation like i'm a trophy whore so i'm gonna be playing grinding on the playstation version even if i know the pc version's better I'm I'm not caring about, you know, oh well I can, you know, transfer the save over to PC and, you know, do this, but then I won't be able to get a trophy that I'm going after. So and granted I'm probably in the minority on this, but I just like that whole thing, like, yes, it's convenient for certain things, but also I it's not something it's just like not something that I'm this needs to happen right now. And you know, and I don't even understand why now all of a sudden this became a thing. Like, shouldn't this have been something people would have wanted back when, you know, we started playing games online? Mm-hmm. You know, when the whole, you know, the idea of crossplay with Vita and PS4 and PC and all that stuff started coming up. Like, why wasn't this something people wanted right away? Why all of a sudden is it a thing now? Mm-hmm. Dude, it was a topic last gen. It's a topic this gen. People just want a reason to bitch. But at the end of the day, most of these people who are bitching about it are still going to go buy their systems uh, when, when they launch. When the PS5 and the Xbox 2 and the Nintendo ditch, whatever it's going to be called. Uh, you know, people, I'm going to buy the systems. Uh, and not, at no point when I go to buy these systems, I, am I going to be like, can they cross cross play? Is there a cross play? No, I don't care. Okay, I don't. I just think it's it's cool. It's something that people want to bitch about. Go ahead and bitch. Make a big stink about it. It's not going to happen. And it doesn't bother me if it doesn't. I can hop onto Destiny 2 on PlayStation and play with people. I can hop onto Destiny 2 on Xbox and play with people. I'm cool with it. I'm not. It's not a big deal to me, but it's going to continue to be a big deal if Sony people, if Sony executives like Yoshida here come out and just make these stock statements that are terrible, it's going to continue to get news. So update your comments, fix the account progression thing. We're all done, dude. I think I think that's really the when it comes down to, to brass tacks. I just don't think people care about this 
you know, it's a it's a small vocal minority that that uh, that makes this like a, a bigger topic of conversation. But to your average like console owner, like I don't think anybody uh, I don't want to say anybody, but it, the majority of the people that bought Minecraft on PlayStation Four are not going to be like, man, I bought this with the intention of being able to play Minecraft with people on Xbox and Switch, and now that I can't, I'm upset. Like, there's, there's not really many people that are thinking that. So this is, this is more of a, like a, a very like hardcore like niche thing that, that a certain sect of people will be upset about. For the, but for the vast majority of people, like I, I don't think they bat an eye at this. And, um, really, I, I think the only reason this, this really became a bigger deal than it was is because it was attached to Fortnite. That's really, mm-hmm. you know, Fortnite was, mm-hmm. the, was kind of the thing that, that set this all off. So, um. So yeah, when when people find out that they can't, you know, bring their Fortnite stuff over, like I like I understand them being upset. And like I said earlier, hopefully the account thing is something that they look at. But yeah, other than that, like I don't I don't know that people are really genuinely upset that they can't play Minecraft with Xbox players and and vice versa. Yeah, I yeah. don't. I hate Minecraft, so it doesn't bother me either way. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and plus two, I think. If that did become a thing, then you get into that, you know, the the casual territory where they don't they already don't know a lot about video games and you start saying like, oh, well, they can play, you know, across, you know, all platforms. Then it becomes, you know, if you're, you know, your kid wants a console for Christmas and you're being told, oh, well, everything works on this. You're going to assume everything works on it. Mm-hmm. So you can find cases where, you know, you have the uninformed parent who's buying their kid an Xbox and copy of Spider-Man thinking, <laughs> oh, the guy the guy at the game store said everything works together. So, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that could also lead to larger problems than, you know, just a simple solution to shut a vocal minority up. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, the guy at the store should be fired because he gave some bad intel, too. So, yeah. He wasn't clear on it, damn it. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, thanks again to uh, Frankie and Boyce here. And always good to do a show with you guys. Always love talking video games with you. Um, this week, uh, we will have, uh, Boy- as Boyce mentioned earlier in the show, uh, he will not be around this week, so there won't be a Tuesday Night Indie Spotlight with Mr. Boyce. However, Frankie will be playing Nefarious, and then I'm going to try to stream Stay. Uh, I'm going to check out Stay first to see if it's a good game to stream. Uh, Because that's one of those games where it might not be a very good game to actually stream. But um, I will definitely look into uh, streaming that at some point this week. You can expect a Blackout uh, video this week as well. We'll stream some Blackout. We'll have a lot of stuff going up uh, throughout the week. A lot of good stuff uh, in terms of uh, checking out different games and such. So make sure you follow us on YouTube. Uh, Hit that little bell if you do. We'll also be streaming on Twitch as well as on Mixer. All those short pause gaming. Gentlemen, where can we find you gaming and tweeting? Mr. Boyce. As always, I will be not tweeting at Piccolo930. That's my uh, PSN ID where you can find me on uh, Xbox and, and Switch on there as well. Um, and I will be uh, tuning into the Tuesday Night Indie Spotlight as a fan this week to, uh, to check out a game I'm, I'm looking forward to in the in Nefarious. And I'm super curious about Stay as well. So if you, if you do stream that, Brent, I will definitely, definitely check that one out as well. Awesome. Franklin? You can find me on Twitter, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Nintendo Network, Steam, at Viper Strike. Uh, Bender did tell me he's uh, maybe going to be available Wednesday nights again soon, so he might be getting Monster Hunter back up and running soon. Wow. So, can't wait. I uh, haven't been playing a lot of Monster Hunter, so 
it's a platinum trophy that's uh long overdue <laughs> but the other thing i want to mention is i <laughs> when i do eventually get my best buy copy of immortal unchained i do want to stream that just mm-hmm. to uh you know get something out there about that game so whenever that shows up that night i will uh, probably fire it up for a little bit hopefully it arrives on monday like they claim it will but we'll see so <laughs> look forward to that not happening i'm just joking hopefully probably it does not, probably not no I'm, i have no faith in them <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter at the dude 1979 playstation network nintendo switch the dude 79 and xbox live the real dude 79 make sure you visit the website www.shortpause.com follow us on twitter at the short pause as i mentioned you can watch this podcast on youtube twitch and mixer or you can listen to it on itunes soundcloud TuneIn, google play or stitcher if you enjoy this podcast, go over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, write on a nice review. We really, really appreciate it. If you're not ready to give us a five-star review, that's cool. We don't want any fake ones. Send us an email, podcast at shortpause.com. Questions, suggestions, feedback, anything. We want to hear from you. It's the only way this show is going to get better. So hit us up, podcast at shortpause.com. Is that everything? Did I hit everything up? I think I did good. You've done good. I've done real good. For Mr. Ayler, Mr. Holt, uh, Mr. Holt, you're not Mr. Holt. Uh, Let's try that again. For Mr. Ayler and Mr. Boyce, I'm Brent Felsing. Thanks again for watching and listening to the Short Pause Gaming Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.